1: know of course that you're out of your jurisdiction personally I think you're a video
3: but that's the evidence
1: in the car
3: but I was going to Tosche Station to pick up some power converters
1: always oh, like to keep my audience riveted
3: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range Idiocy, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. Although we tend to specialize in movie and television geekery, we want you to know that we are, in spite of our own inane jabber, well-rounded individuals, so we'll be going into a more literary direction for this particular episode. No, we will not be discussing Moby Dick, Bonfire of the Vanities, or Frog and Toad or friends. We're talking about some Star Wars Legends books written by Timothy Zahn in this, episode 40. Everyone thrown with the win. My name is Todd, and with me as always is a man who once single-handedly stopped a bank robbery using nothing more than a pen on a chain and a package of butterscotch-flavored lifesavers. He is the Han Solo to my Chewbacca. I owe him a life debt which I can never repay. And he won't let me live it down or pilot the Falcon, but whatever. I give you the man they call Tim.
0: Oh, that was an awful Chewbacca. What's going that on, was, my man? That was like a <laughs> clogged up vacuum cleaner. What the? I I just I just jumped into it and said, "We'll see what it sounds like." And boy, oh boy, did I ever disappoint. So, anyways, I thought I was going to have to call your wife that you're choking on something.
1: <laughs> He's choking and we're on back down to kill. zero
3: days without incident. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be great. All right. Now, normally, this is the part of the show where I tell Tim to be good because we have company, but uh, since this guy has joined us enough that when we come home and find him crashing on the couch, drinking our beer after raiding the fridge, it ain't no big thing. uh, (laughs) It's it's pretty much just like having family over. He's one of the hosts of scruffy-looking podcasters. He's always classy, but today, he's four times as nice. Uh, Let's all welcome to the show, Mr. Jimmy Dice. Hello there.
0: Hello, hello. It's good to have you here, sir. Nice Um, to be back. Pleasure to be back.
3: Again, uh, again. So, uh, (laughs) all right. I'm going to tell the story because otherwise, let's just get it
0: out of the way. (laughs) Otherwise, Tim is going to tell it, and I can't. Because James and I are waiting to pull the trigger. (laughs)
3: Yeah. I mean, listen, listen. I'm. All I'm going to say is I didn't say anything. Yeah. Yeah, Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So uh, we actually recorded this episode a couple of weeks ago. We we talked about this. We had a great time. It was a fantastic episode. It was probably our best show ever. And somehow, uh, through an absolute rookie mistake of my own, Jimmy Dice's audio track disappeared right after we finished the show. I mean, gone just... like a fart in the wind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Nice shot shank poll, sir. I like that. Uh yeah, so we uh we are now going to relive this episode again and uh we'll we'll all be having deja vu. So when as you're listening to this episode, if you hear someone say, Oh, remember like last time you said Yeah. <laughs> We're not hallucinating. This actually is the second time that we will have done the exact same episode. So there you have it. It's all my fault. But you know what? I grew up as a single, uh, as, a, as an only child, so I'm used to everything being my fault. So it's all good. It's kind of just, it's the way I was raised.
0: Not carrying any guilt there. Oh, I've got enough guilt to start my own religion. Are you
3: kidding? <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> Ooh, Jimmy Dice is shot tonight. We are both in trouble, sir. Yes right. we are so uh, we don't need to guess the tag team or any of that fun stuff so sir what do we got for the weekend geek? Uh,
0: a couple things I'll start with a personal one and then jump into the much more interesting one but uh, yeah this weekend I, I made my first my maiden voyage if you will with my younger son uh, trying to build a gaming PC from scratch. Um, let me tell you it was interesting. Uh, <laughs> what? why? what's that? why why did why would you do that well it because it was kind of a, um, a constructive way to uh, jump into the whole video game thing um, he, he was getting interested in you know kind of the uh, kind of the beefed up hardware if you will that goes with with gaming and uh, we were we were looking at some options and decided hey it'd be kind of fun to you know a little father son build build a PC sort of thing cool. Um Needless to say, it was a a fantastic exercise, but as we stand right now, the the motherboard, uh, you know, the colors start glowing on the motherboard, but nothing else really happens, so we're, <laughs> we're kind of trying to <laughs> debug the problem. <laughs> but, but we got her all wired up, and it looked really impressive, and then we hit the power switch, and it was like, oh, boy.
2: <laughs> Just let the magic dust out.
0: I think so. So, uh
3: you're basically like Clark Griswold with his exterior Christmas lights. Basically, that what I'm-
0: basically, basically, and you know, I, I foolishly, you know, I, I stepped back after that happened last night, and I said to myself, "Okay, I'm an engineer by trade. Why on earth did I wire everything <laughs> up first? Why did I not start with, you know, make sure this works and then make sure this works?" So, um, so yeah, it's it, it was it, it was a uh, experience, but one where we're learning, and uh, I'm looking forward to. Uh, Seeing what this bad boy's gonna do once we get it put together. So,
2: cool, man. So a little, nice.
0: little, little leap there for for myself. Uh, never having really done it. Um, so a little, little goofiness there. Well, good um, for you. And then, being a good parent. After all of our kvetching last week about how there was no Mando trailer. Yeah, don't you love how they did that? <laughs> guess what happened. <laughs> We got a Mando trailer. <laughs> After I specifically said they're not gonna
3: give us a Mando trailer. They gave us a Mando trailer of like forty eight hours later.
0: Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So uh yeah, so overall I I I would say go around the horn, but uh gents, I, I, I think all around it was it definitely wet the appetite and uh, definitely had some some pretty funny stuff going on, at least in one, one particular scene. But I, what were your I, thoughts?
3: I love it. I, I don't have much else to say. I, I defer to James on this one. This is the way. Me, um, you're the Star good. Wars expert. Yeah, as fine. Oh <laughs> um, no! Wow, it, 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 wow, it that was chilled real quick. <laughs> yeah, it was like, what do, what do you want? What do you want for nothing? <laughs> I, I'm done with this toy. I want a new one.
2: <laughs> well, I was actually in the camp of, don't give me a trailer at this point. I mean, uh, four weeks away from debut in the season and they haven't released anything Released some photos whoop de doo but we got to see how sexy uh, sexy beautiful carl weathers is going to be this season oh! and that new like maroon hey the hey, hey. outfit he's going to be in carl is always sexy <laughs> i just he looks fantastic i was so i was ready to go without a trailer and be fine without a trailer yeah. and then the trailer appeared And I was very hesitant. Of course, I'm going to watch it. Are you kidding? I'm going to watch it 10 million thousand (laughs) fracking times. But I wasn't. I was a little anxious about it because I didn't want them to release anything because already Mm. these are only, you know, 27 minute episodes. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't want them to really, you know, really give away too much, which that isn't their MO anyways. But I always had that fear like Disney sees something successful. So they want to just run it into the ground. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah,
2: but it was uh, it turned out absolutely amazing we had so many cool little scenes in there we get to see a gamorian fighting ring which is really awesome yeah we get to see the inside of an imperial facility i'm hoping it's a star destroyer uh, giancarlo esposito has posted that he's flying something very big or piloting a new vehicle that's very big i hope it's a star destroyer you hmm. um, get to see some sick action from our scalp troopers on the speeder bikes do a little motorcycle thing mm. um I'm, I'm really excited just for for all of it i think the funniest part that you alluded to tim was the uh the whispers where yes uh <laughs> all of a sudden all of a sudden the mando's surrounded because they want to take the child and the whispers kind of pops out of his arm and baby yoda sees as like oh shit goes up <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome it was <laughs> just just great just great. Wherever he goes, I
0: go. Yes. Mm. yes. This is the I, way. I so, didn't
3: think I could look forward to that show anymore. And I am I am now I am now at an eleven in terms of looking forward to it instead of a ten.
0: And 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 I thought for a moment we we did get uh, a, a shot of uh, Ahsoka Tano, uh, but on, on re review I believe that was Sasha Banks as I don't know who. So <laughs> From, yeah, really? from WWE. So, um, i i I thought that I thought it was there. There was a hooded individual that looked very much like her, and and I and so I thought that was Rosario Dawson. And then um, I went back, and I'm like, ah, oh, it's not.
3: Her head was <sighs> big enough for her tails. Yep. Oh, yep. that's yeah. I didn't even think of that. I'm such an amateur at this. Oh. <laughs> Gosh. Well, when you watch the movies and the
2: animated series as much as some of us you just you see everything and yeah to a point where it's like no that can't be her i thought maybe it'd be sabine from the rebels Mm -hmm. cartoon Mm -hmm. oh that would be i
3: you think they would actually do
2: that that was a rumor that sasha banks was going to play sabine but why would she be out of outside of her armor which is kind of curious for me there yeah Um, and there's also some discontinuity where sabine removes her helmet and the Star Wars original trilogy era of uh, Rebels or whatever. Yeah. Where you're not really supposed to. So I, it very... Oh, American- every Mandalorian in that show takes off their helmet. It's like every five seconds. Oh, right. So I want to see how they sort of treat that. You know, was it just after the Great Purge by the empires when they stopped doing that or what? Mm. Um, yeah. I, it is just so much... I mean, what do you guys like about the trailer? I could talk about the trailer for hours,
3: but what do you guys think? Well, actually, one quick question for you is... Is I mean I'm guessing Star Wars Rebels is canon and is considered like part of the continuity, right? Yeah, I mean
2: Thrawn is a real character, which we're going to talk about very shortly. Mm -hmm. But you know he's part of the continuity continuity of the new canon. Ezra, basically anything that has been shown on TV is canon, and that is out of the words of George Lucas himself.
3: Ah, yes, the high priest of Star Wars. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the grand poop. The
2: high priest. He's the originator. Uh, the high, the high <laughs> drama
3: queenness of Star Wars. <laughs> well, you know, uh, I think that we are. You know, uh, uh, I figured Foster Filoni was one of the high priest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, Filoni would be the high priest. George would be. I mean, what would he? He'd be like the. He'd be like the Zenu if we're taking <laughs> this in the Scientology route. Yeah. <laughs> Or wait, a no, he wouldn't be Xenu because uh, Zeno's uh, made up. Uh, sorry, spoilers for everybody. But uh, you know, he'd be the L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> although that's even creepier and weirder. So he would maybe be Ra to...
2: from Stargate.
3: There we go. Okay, that's much better and less weird. Thank you. <laughs> there we go. Appreciate you rescuing me on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I I loved it. I thought it was great. It it act. I didn't. I've I've been looking forward to this because, again, there's just not a whole lot of stuff happening right now, especially with having all the summer movies taken away that I'm like, I want to see this and this and this and this. And then yeah, so much for all that. Yeah. yeah. So this was like the next thing that I was really looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I didn't think I could look forward to it anymore. And then you show me stuff and you show me like Baby Yoda show, closing the top of the, the carriage thing and all that. I'm like... <laughs> All right, I actually do want this more now. I didn't think I could, but I do, and, and now you I'm. Know,
2: and you know that that is like straight up up a baby. Like that's not like Graco or whatever like you know brand that everybody has for their child care equipment. You know, Baby Yoda is not an uppy baby stroller,
3: Black <laughs> well, well, stroller. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think we saw at least two different ways he's being carried around now, <laughs> the yeah. Mandalorian in like a satchel and uh, it's gosh, like, the, it's like the
2: Ergo Yoda. Yes,
0: <laughs> <laughs> the jogging Yoda, uh,
3: well, the floating yeah. yoga, yoga, I, yoga, yoga.
0: I did like the beginning where uh, it looks like the Razor Crest is not in, not doing so hot.
3: Uh, uh,
2: yeah, you zoom in, that cargo bay door is open, so it's, yeah. it's open
3: and
0: it's sputtering. So, <laughs> something went down. <laughs>
3: Now the funny thing is, is that like the cliffhanger going into season three, and we wait all the way through all of these episodes, and that's that's like the last shot of season two. Wouldn't that just be like a kick in the pants that that's the beginning of the of the season two trailer, and it's actually like the last shot of the last show of season two?
2: That would be that would be cool. I mean, it depends the the anxiety buildup. Where the anticipation would have to be where he's going or where he's perceived to be going. So would yeah. that be Yoda's home planet? Because that's been reiterated in the trailers. Like you got to bring this thing to its home world. Even though it's like, wait, Jedi sorcerers? Mm. So clearly referencing Yoda. I'll say yeah. Yoda Prime. <laughs> <laughs> or,
3: or whatever you want to call it. Are we, now we're in the J.J. Abrams Star Trek where we have to refer to <laughs> Spock and Spock Prime. Like, yeah, right. Now
0: I'm really getting Is there a multiverse in Star Wars now oh cuz everyone's doing stop. that. Everyone's doing it. You know, that's uh, how they're what ex- they're Isn't that what they're trying to do for the next like <laughs> they, they want to redo the the post trilogy sequel, the post original trilogy sequel or uh, or sorry, the episode 7 through 9. I have read they for those that want a redo of all of them, they were saying they were going to try to do some alternate like universe sort of goofiness. You know, I mean, I, which I hope this, they
2: don't. No, there's no way that's going to happen. It's too late. It's it's set. It's maybe maybe when we're all like dead and gone, and someone needs to revitalize this old shoe again, you know.
3: But <laughs> that's maybe that's how they're going to explain that Boba Fett's in there. He fell into the into the pit there, and that was actually taking him into another universe, a multiverse, a multiverse. I'm telling there you, you. Doctor mean... Strange is down there, like a Benedict Cumberbatch quick nod, and then <laughs> I mean it is another Disney property. I'm just saying. Oh, well, boy. in the
2: Star Wars Legends novel. Um, the Mandalorian, I think It's the Bounty Hunter trilogy It
3: takes place I love the fact that I can tell That J- that, J- that Jimmy is turning around to his Bookcase and That's literally the what I'm doing book. right now <laughs> The book title is the first of the trilogy
2: uh, The Mandalorian Armor And he is discovered by Dengar Who we see very briefly in Empire Strikes Back Who's rat- all mummified or whatever Yes, not Mothafi, yeah. but he's wrapped in basically toilet paper. He looks like a b- <laughs> He's there on Tatooine with his girlfriend. I forgot her name. They see the Sarlaccs, but all blown out. They find Boba, Boba. And he's alive because he basically is like, oh, I ain't, I ain't dying this way. And uses every weapon he has just basically to blow himself out of there.
3: Well, he did have that nice. like rocket on, the, on his jetpack. That was like, you know, the cool thing when you had the action figure, you could shoot that. I mean, wouldn't that? I mean that can't taste good. So Well, I would guess not. I mean that'll give you some serious gas. Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. Time for a few fart jokes.
1: <laughs> 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 All right.
2: <laughs>
3: so I I think it's pretty safe to say we've got three thumbs up on the Mando trailer here. Oh yeah. Oh huge. Huge. Yeah. Bigly. Bigly. It's huge. This huge. This is the way. This, this is, is the, the way. way. Oh, man. So, anything else for the weekend, Geek? Or are we going to crash right into our our main topic for the evening?
0: Uh, I think we could uh, proceed into the main topic.
3: All right. So, with caution, this kind of started out with uh, well, you two had definitely read these books before, and we had referred to this in a prior episode, and I had talked about i think i read one of these books back in college because that's how dedicated of a student i was i probably should have been studying something and instead i was reading a star wars book and uh i decided to actually get into and read these and then thought hey we thought well we can we can now now we can talk about these and then we did and now we're talking about them again so (laughs) I just wanted to make sure I undercut that one before any of you got to it. There, part 2. That's that's the that's the last time I'll do that. So, uh, I mean, overall, I, I mean, we don't need to talk about these overall because I mean, they're they're Star Wars books, and we're all geeks, and and we love this stuff. So let's let's dive right into uh, kind of just what we like, what we don't like, and and all the other fun detrius that is involved in these. So, what did y'all like about? The Thrawn Trilogy.
0: Could, could could I throw one other little bit of context in there? Oh, yes,
3: please. Oh, yeah. Um, context would probably be important. Well, it, so. well
0: j- just about, and, and James can probably uh, jump in with, with some deeper history than what I have, but from, from what I understand, when these books first came out, this was just kind of an attempt to breathe some life back into... I mean, it wasn't even known as, like, the Star Wars universe, I think, when this happened. But it was, oh, yeah. it was an attempt to, to breathe yeah. some life back into it after it had been, I think, it was like six, seven years, you know, since Return of the Jedi. And, and Timothy Zahn, um, I don't know the entire story behind him getting pulled into it, but but the the impactfulness of, of these books, as we'll get into, you know, was was, was really quite stark. I mean, it, it really, in a lot of ways, regenerated interest in the franchise and he was able to do it um as we'll get into in a moment through creating some pretty compelling characters Mm. that you know that now have have taken on form in some of the animated shows and uh and we hope live action at some point Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
3: yeah so these um, were first one was published in what 90 or 91
0: yeah i think it was like
3: 91. and so all i mean all three of these were published before the prequel trilogy Made its debut, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Do do I have the history right there, James?
3: Yeah, pre- prequel trilogy didn't start
2: till
0: '99,
2: right? Uh, yes. Late '90s or something like that with *Phantom Menace*. But this, because Dark, um, at the time, Lucasfilm and LucasArts or whomever it was, they were making some. Vid- they were just starting to think about making video games, like *X* Star Wars *X Wing* came out in '95. Mm-hmm. But you had at the same time as Timothy Zahn writing this, there was also the Dark Empire trilogy being written by Dark Horse Comics, um,
1: hmm.
2: which was the reincarnated emperor. And the story of this was very conflicting with Thrawn because you can't have just two baddies trying to reunite the galaxy and take everything over again. So Air of the Empire comes first and then the Dark Empire reincarnated young emperor
3: turns Luke to the, his apprentice comes afterwards nice hmm. so did they now i've i've heard a couple of people have comment on this and i've been always too lazy to look it up but wasn't there some sort of like didn't they start kind of corralling all these authors and and kind of standardize some of this at a certain point was there some sort of agreement in terms of like okay here are the characters here's here's how things are going to lay out and, and and putting it all into some kind of order or did that just kind of happen afterwards
2: um, there was some general, from what I understand, there was some general coordination on it initially. But once the "Heir to the Throne" trilogy came out, and the 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 early '90s when there was a really big push to get new Star Wars content out there, that's when Lucas, uh, everybody, kind of brought in together. What was it Bantam Book? or who's that uh yeah bantam specter they were the publisher back then it's not it wasn't del Rey like it is today brought everybody together it's like we're coming up with a general story how it's all going to go through you guys are going to come to us with what kind of story you want to pitch and we will basically give you the blessing like you can't mess with the characters you can't change things around like you can't undo leia and luke being his brother and sister you know what i mean like Mm. they wanted to make sure that whatever came out didn't completely disrupt, at the time, canon.
3: Yeah. yeah. And then all of this is no longer canon.
2: <laughs> and then, yeah, ah, Disney the bought it, and it, it just doesn't matter anymore, so who gives a crap?
3: And 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 no one's angry about this whatsoever. Everyone just kind of rolled with it and did, oh, that's fine.
2: I mean, I think the, a lot of the new stuff that came out, I mean, they brought Thrawn back as a character, and Timothy on his writing for him and about him again which is just completely re- reinvigorated the Thrawn contingent mm. of the star wars base but uh things are things are certainly a little bit different and writing styles you know one one question i want to ask later on is you know does this trilogy get written
3: in 2020 mm, that's that's yeah. a good question yeah excellent question that's why he gets paid the big bucks folks <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I yeah, good call on that Tim. I completely just nah, skipped no, over context. Another rookie mistake. I'll just keep adding. You know
0: up. like we recorded the last time. Oh, sorry. Oh.
3: <laughs> there's that, one. That. Mm. There's one. The first knife in. Ah, feels it hurts so good. It hurts so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I guess now we can kind of get to, you know, what, what is it that you like? I like it. I like. And this should be fairly easy because I, you, you guys actually both have read this, uh, Tim that you read it the second time while, while I was in the process of reading and, and, and James has read this probably at least 10 times, I'm guessing.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I went into a second reading of it during our, our quarantine period and just kind of, you know, kept, kept going with it. And, uh, it, it it was it was just fun to re, you know revisit it and to go back and reacclimate with the different uh, you know kind of smaller stories going on within the larger you know overall story being told and stuff so so yeah mm-hmm. so it was a lot of fun to reread it and i would i definitely recommend those who are interested in star wars to check it out but uh, but yeah but as far as things to like you know for, for i'll start with characters i mean i, I think you know we can kind of overlap and mm. talk through some of this but um but I think you know when when Zahn put it together. I mean, you had such great characters like Talon Card, you know, who who is a smuggler, um, you know, who I think very much is kind of meant to be the Han, you know, in so many ways Han Solo. Now that Han Solo is kind of uh, respectable, you know, respectable now, yeah,
3: <laughs> respectable. What, what,
0: what Michael Corleone could never become, but you know, <laughs> he's 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 not quite as scruffy anymore. Who's scruffy looking? Not quite, not quite. You know, but but what I, what, what I liked about it was it, it wasn't just him and him being kind of involved in like some sort of like love story sort of thing like Solo was in the original trilogy. It was just we kind of got to see a smuggler in action and he had a whole kind of squad that mm. you know, he worked with. There was this the the kind of the smuggler, I mean, they didn't call it a guild, but it was kind of like a, a, a network uh, of various smugglers as the, as you go across the three books. You know, just it it was fun for me to kind of get back and and reimagine and think through like, you know, just them having, you know, bases and kind of working out of that stuff, uh, you know, just working out of those bases to operate and stuff. And it it just felt very much more like what you would think a smuggler would kind of operate as, whereas, you know, like in the original trilogy, it was a lot of with Han and Chewie was just kind of. You know, running with with the rebellion, and and it was really just the two of them, and that was kind of the the first view into that life we we kind of got. This was kind of a more deep view into it, and so he, he was an interesting character. Um, you know, Jorah Sabath uh, was was a great character um, that they brought in as kind of a different twist on, you know, w- w- without having an emperor, um, and without having you know kind of that that uh, single force using Batty, you know, he, he kind of fills that role. Um, we'll, you know, we'll get into in greater detail Grand Admiral Thrawn. He's obviously a huge part of what made these stories great. And, you know, Zahn, you know, achieved something that I think, you know, a lot of other authors struggle to do at times, which is to really, you know, not just tell a great story, but establish a character that that resonates with with readers. You know, and and, and it was really interesting for me to kind of um, see over time how you know, it, it wasn't just myself, it was a lot of other people when they first read these books how Thrawn just kind of struck a chord as as just a very you know, a different villain, but a, mm. a, a villain that was cut from a very different cloth than what we had seen from other Imperial, you know uh, generals and, and, and you know, just operatives that, you know, based on what we saw in the movies. I mean I guess the rude way to put it would be you know, a lot of the imperial leaders just seem kind of foolish, and and this guy comes along and actually shows some some intelligence and strategy. So it was kind of like night and day yeah. a little bit, you know. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I, I don't want to run through all the characters, but yeah, I mean, big one for me was was the characters.
3: Yeah, and mm-hmm. and actually just a just a kind of piggyback on your Sabath thing is I think it was interesting that you have another force user who is a jedi so you know or or clone of a jedi and outranking luke you know because up until now it's like luke has been on the you know is kind of the ranking dude even though he just learned like how to use a laser sword like five minutes ago. <laughs> and but he's he's the guy. And now all of yeah. a sudden you have someone that he he realizes at first like he's deferring to because he doesn't understand that this is the bad guy. Yeah. And it's one of those deals where it's like an interesting way to create some drama between those two characters is you all of a sudden you throw someone in who's used to doing their own own thing, and then all of a sudden you give them someone who outranks them. And it's like in Battlestar when they brought in Admiral Kane, and all of a sudden Adama's outranked. And and it's and it's a weird thing because you're you're not quite comfortable with who that is, but yet yeah. just yeah. they automatically defer because in that case it's the military and you just if they outrank you they outrank you and that's period the end and with the Jedi you know well you're a master Jedi you know you're a Jedi master and I'm just a Jedi knight you know jabroni that's it so I mean <laughs> I I am going to defer to you until right. he realizes oh. He is not a goodie. He is a baddie. And, you know, and even then he still doesn't do much. So anyways, um, I, I, yes. wonder, I wonder why,
2: why hasn't Luke just declared himself a master at this point?
0: Yeah,
3: I'm guessing because he,
2: <sighs> I mean, he's got these little conversations with good old Alec via Force Visions from the great beyond, you know what I mean? But, mm-hmm. and you see, you see at the very beginning of *Era of the Empire where, you know, this is going to be the last time I speak with you. You probably won't see me ever again. Peace. And then he's gone. So you wonder
3: what kind Which of conversation. is, conversations a, is a direct he... quote, actually. Okay. Peace. That, that, was... <laughs> <laughs> that would have been, that would have actually been awesome. <laughs> you okay. know, Alec Guinness hologram like, I'm out. <laughs> that would have been great. <laughs> I've yeah, done know, my part. Right? It's all on you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Listen, this has been exhaustive enough. <laughs>
3: Trying to lead you around by the nose time and time again.
2: I'm going to take my cup of Yorkshire gold and just get out.
3: <laughs> but you you, you wonder, you know, why
2: hasn't Luke just sort of progressed himself? He's the last Jedi Knight in the galaxy, as far as he knows. Mm-hmm. And from the perspective of the reader, at this point in time, he is. And Sabath even kind of infers it as well. Why haven't you just sort of made yourself a master like me? And Luke is confused because he thinks he actually is an old Jedi master, which really he's just a clone of a Jedi master, but an insane clone because the cloning process, as we come to find out, really isn't as perfect as one might
3: think.
1: Mm. Yeah.
3: I think it's, I honestly, I think it's twofold. I think that there is uh, a certain amount of humility in Luke and, and also just in how he's learned from obi-wan that you know a jedi is not out out to be about himself it, it, there there's a certain amount of humility that goes along with the power uh the other thing is i think that luke just ain't that bright that's probably the <laughs> second point yeah that's probably 90 percent of it yeah I, that's you know still learning yeah uh, you know, yeah yeah he's still still, learning. still still a bit of a farm boy yes and uh so jim's uh, james uh, jim's james, uh, james, jim's james, james jimmy jeeves You, uh, (laughs) what do you, what do you, you like? Hey, what do I like? Um, (laughs) Uh, well,
2: this was the first time that a first mention and full description of Coruscant was, uh, brought into the books. Uh, Timothy Zahn was the first person to bring in the word Coruscant, because it's always referred to as Imperial Center. Mm. Um. Which was picked up and entered in the movie, starting with *Phantom Menace*. Where we have Liam Neeson actually give us the per- correct pronunciation: "coruscant," not "coruscant" <laughs> as my sixth grade self or fifth grade self kept saying to myself growing up.
3: Well, you thought it was the twin of "coruscant." Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Um, you, the twin you,
2: planets. Not only, and not only do we get a new antagonist from a different perspective, rather than being a straight Palpatine level evil you have Thrawn who you know he's a guy who recognizes the flaws and corruption with the Empire an Empire that another great character Captain Pelion classic Imperial soldier you know of the old school mindset but was this old school any good we get someone called Mara Jade a -hmm. very widely popular EU character uh dramatized in many books many novels becomes luke's full-time long-term romantic consort we find out has a child ben skywalker later on but that's just you know books and books away but we get her who at the very beginning is out to kill luke you will kill luke skywalker because you find out she was the hand of the emperor um, basically the emperor's private assassin who could carry the will and word of the emperor with her, mm. and you find out that she was at Jabba's palace during the events of Return of the Jedi, and couldn't convince Jabba to let him kill her or let her kill him, Luke Skywalker that is. So she blames herself for the death of the emperor because he could have nabbed this all at the very beginning, or she could have nabbed this all during Return of the Jedi. Very, very, very. We could spend hours
1: talking
3: mm. about this. Oh yeah, Marjade was a great character. Yeah. Definitely. Um is. I I actually liked I I also was a huge fan of Thrawn and I I'd, I'd been introduced to him watching uh, Star Wars Rebels with a kid and he did not disappoint in this in in these books. Um just the idea again, the idea uh, here's the baseline for the empire. Like just having a competent imperial officer was a huge upgrade from everything that we've seen in almost every other movie or whatever i mean it seems like most of these people just can't get out of their own way yeah no. and it, yeah and and or, or or just are an egotistical rage beast sort of like uh, uh what's his face hux mm-hmm. or or mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. even uh, or even kylo at, at times was is, is just like they're so out of control the problem is though in creating this character it does make you go back and in retrospect say how in the hell did the empire take over the galaxy in the first place if they've got these chuckleheads leading them (laughs) and and how good was the emperor really if he sends this guy like his one competent grand admiral and and we can kind of assume that he is the one competent grand admiral because there's this whole thing of like oh the grand admirals were the creme de la creme and this and that where they all go they're and we gone. killed them all. Yeah. You know, but they were so good that we killed them just like all the other chuckleheads that uh-huh. they were commanding. Except for this one guy, who's the only competent one. But he sent him out to like the unknown, wherever the crap he sent him. The for other reason, I don't. I mean, uh, it's like, of I, I, of course, you know, Thrawn is like, yeah, the Empire, kind of dumb. You know, I mean, of course he has that perspective. Uh, but that was, I, I thought that was great to actually just see someone who. Was so atypical of all the other imperial officers that we've been shown in in movies up to that point.
0: Yeah, and, and you know, thinking about the original trilogy, I mean, a lot of you know, a lot of what we saw from the Empire was a lot of arrogance, um, greed, you know, from within, you know, and, and and just and even between the officers, just just this idea of of you know, kind of sniping their way up to the top, you know, and how this
2: competition. How, Absolutely. Mm.
0: Absolutely. And then you get with Thrawn, someone who is starting to think, let, let me, first of all, think. Um, but but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good starting point. Thinking. Um, but, you know, strategizing, using, you know, of course, throughout the three books, he, he's known to use his understanding of culture and, and art um, and, and predicting ways that his opponents will behave or, or act and, you know, just seeing how methodical he is 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 just very refreshing because, really, in the movies, someone that we would see in that sort of post was really just a pawn that mm. Vader or the Emperor was kind of pushing around. You know, and now Thrawn yeah. is really kind of at that at at that role. And and I wouldn't say that Jor'Shbath is is his equal. I mean, there there's there's tension between the two of them. One of them is you know, strong in the force and the other is just, you know, very intelligent in what they do. Um, but they're, they're just a, like you said, they're atypical from what we're used to seeing. And, mm. and, and you see with Thrawn too, and we talked about this before, how there, there's a couple instances in the books where crew members um, screw up. One was a mm. screw up of foolishness and the other was a screw up of trying to do something to stop. Innovative. Yeah. Thank you. Innovative, you know, so, something to, to, to stop Luke from escaping them and and trying something. And you see how he deals with that, where on the one hand he, you know, he punishes the foolishness, but he rewards the innovation, even though it led to a failure Um, Mm. and how that builds loyalty, um, you know, with with his crew and that sort of thing. So, so a a very fascinating, you know, character uh, as, as, you know, book one and two get rolling. And that's Mm. the difference
2: between the emperor's way invaders way and the new way. Mm. Um, you know you have these two mindsets which um, you, know, you, you have that you can either fix it or you can grow and innovate and you want this is the new empire you want to reward people for trying to think outside of the box not just assign the blame to somebody else which right. yeah. you know compare that to say what you will about current events today um, <laughs> but you need to reward innovation and that's what Theron does Yeah, yeah.
0: it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. And what's kind of ironic with that is the, the way you describe that, though, is is really how the rebellion ran, right? I mean, yeah. they had to be innovative. They had to be, you know, thinking outside of the realm of what they had and what they, you know, if, if they had all the resources, what they could have done and using what it is they had. And and, and not that Theron was ever, you know, duct taping a, a solution together, but you did get the sense that he was trying to be very methodical about how he used what he did have. And to, to use it in a very clear and effective way and not to, to squander something because it, it would, you know, like I think there's a moment in the book where they could have pummeled, you know, some group or something like that. And he, he chooses to withdraw because it's like it's, it's not worth us doing this right now. You know, it's yeah. like our, our, we will have time to show the might of the empire in a different way. And and he does, and he, and throughout the three books, he he comes up. There, there's some very creative things that he ends up doing <laughs> that are pretty, you know, pre, you know, pretty interesting. You know, oh, yeah. The, yeah, the 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 asteroids at Coruscant being one of them. So, <laughs> mm-hmm,
3: mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, he's he's very much a poker player, uh, and, a, and a very smart poker player who's who's willing to get his money out when he he knows that it's it's already lost, like. You know, uh, well, I've, I'm I'm not gonna win, so I'm not gonna throw good money after bad. I'm just gonna fold. And there's a couple times that that happens. And you know, and Pelion is very much like, you know, waiting. Uh, basically, Pelion is always waiting to get chewed out, yelled at, or like just killed. That's that's kind of his role in the entire in the entire series. He's he is all the time just kind of illustrating what it was like in the old empire and reminding people that oh. Thrawn isn't going to do it that way. Yeah, you yeah. know he's this not going to not just way. Yeah, he's <laughs> just not. He's not going to throw you know five star destroyers away just to try to make himself look better. He knows. Okay, it's done. All right, yeah. we're we're getting out of here. Um, and that's again that is refreshing to see.
0: Oh, and and and, 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 and Jimmy Dice brought this up. On the prior show, um, but I, I, I take one. No, no, no. I, I was I wasn't or, trying or, to be mean. I, Sh- I'm just should saying. It, should, we,
3: should we refer to that as Thrawn with the Wind Prime?
0: Uh, let's call it the pre-production Thrawn with the Wind. What about, what
3: about <laughs> Legends?
0: Yes, it's,
3: it's the Thrawn with the Wind Legends edition. But but you had made the it's point. It's no longer
0: canon. <laughs> but but you had made the point, James, that and and I had never thought of this, and 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 I really liked this point. Is about how. The perspective we get of Thron is really from Pelion's point of view, mm. um, and, and we never yeah. really get kind of a first person of Thron. It's always Thron and Pelion having these conversations, and right. and and the character of Thron then unfolds as they have these conversations.
2: And you never, you never even really get that even in the new canon books. Now uh, they just released Timothy's. I released the Thron Ascendancy, Ascendancy, Chaos Rising first of a, another trilogy i think that takes place before the events of uh the latest thrawn book that came out in 2017 but you never get his perspective and what i like and dislike about thrawn like you know i, I really like and enjoy how how omniscient he is but i also hate how omniscient he is <laughs> yes you know, every and every it's like oh we'll get to that this whole this whole, <laughs> this whole thing is like you know everyone's in, it's it's basically Thrawn's train and everyone's on, along for the ride yeah. yeah yeah like you can't like explain anything to Pelion but I know I, I know I, I don't want to step on toes we can wait for the dislike fire for coming afterwards but yeah it just every five sentence explanation could be done in three yeah. um, there were a series of big big plot mistakes that Thrawn did that I don't think should it would have happened if this character acted to his true self Mm. but you have to have the good guys win because that's Star Wars yes it is
3: yep you got to leave them with hope leave them with hope Yep.
2: no matter the cost or rip it from them
3: (laughs) yeah well that too (laughs) that's that's what they did when they made all this not canon
0: let's see what happens when we take away the puppy
3: so uh, the other thing I did I did appreciate was with Sabath is that uh Having that other guy where he's unpredictable and nuts, but you actually give a legit reason instead of just, oh, he's just nuts. Yeah. He's just crazy because he's crazy. It's like there's actually a, a good reason for that and an underpinning that kind of informs who the character is and also gives some direction to, to where that character is going mm-hmm. instead of it just, oh, he's just nutty. Oh, that, that's Sabath. Oh, He's just crazy. Oh, that fracking know, guy! He don't know. He don't know karate, but he knows crazy. Um, and oh, he, but I, I I like that. I like you know because I I also like the guys who are just nuts. I always appreciate a, a character where you're like, I don't know why this guy's nuts. He just is, but I can appreciate it. Mm-hmm. I I also like it when it's for a logical reason. It's a nice refreshing kind of thing when when you're like, oh, there's a reason why this dude is nuts.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and and as we see with where where his character plays out over the three books, you know the the insanity, for at least the first two books, is is a source of of strength in some ways. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he, he, even though he's insane, were you trying to get crazy with this? See, eh? don't you know I'm loco? He has some way of controlling it to some degree and and channeling it for a purpose. You know, when he's you know quote unquote training Luke and. You know, he kind of puts him into this fog and he's just slowly trying to get him, you know, to, to be kind of brought over into it, you know, where he kind of takes over his mind almost, yeah. um, you know, is was was really kind of a uh, just makes him a compelling character where it's not as, you know, black and white as far as being, you know, pure. E- I mean, he, he is pure evil as the as the books go on, but it's one of those things where he's just, you know, he, he's using his powers in, in a in a purposeful way and um and and the tension he has with thrawn throughout the books where they're they're basically butting heads and he's constantly you know basically talking about his empire and you know kind of taking that 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 um you know role that the emperor had you know as far as being leader um and and you know maintaining power through the use of the force is, is, you know, something he, you know, kind of tries to do through the three books, not successfully, of course, but, mm-hmm. um, but, but one interesting thing that, that, diz, that, that does come out of this with Saboth and with Thrawn, and, and what I liked about it is it does kind of play nicely into events that happen in Return of the Jedi, was this idea that the Empire, you know, Thrawn is kind of calling back to one of the Emperor's strengths of y- having the Force be a source of coordination, Mm. um for the empire that that by using sabath he can have him help coordinate attacks and and you know bring some coherency to what the empire is doing that the rebels don't have
2: yeah that is a battle meditation that you're referring to Aha. and and that is not the <clears throat> that is the first time that that is referenced in i'll say classic canon but it also comes up again in knights of the old republic uh, where ah. it's mentioned, where battle meditation hmm. and the old Jedi Order and their battle against the Mandalorians and the Sith Empire was actually a thing, where it would basically be a coordinator within a, like a group of ships or something like that to try to like reinforce an area of just just keeping morale on the battlefield and people focused, like focus on your objectives. It's okay. We got your back or no, no, this isn't working out. Everybody like kind of generally fall back here without just going into complete disarray and dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And that's what Thrawn claimed that the emperor had the ability to control for the entire empire, which I found was a little hard to believe, but okay. For the sake of narrative, we'll roll with it. Um, He needed a he needed a Jedi. He needed uh, this tool, but this tool came with this crazy man wielding it. You know, where he yeah. just needed to have this this tool that this this axe that this dude had. Well, the the axe comes with Kabbat because the axe is his arm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is my boomstick. In whether or not whether or not he wanted to, you know. Cared whether he was Sith, Jedi, crazy, whatever, remains to be seen. But it seems to be that Thrawn's not coming from the uh, subjugation standpoint is completely evil, but just
3: as like I need this as a tool to bring order.
2: Yes. Yeah.
3: yeah. I actually kind of I don't I'd have to disagree a little that that Sabath is is like completely evil. I think in in the in the classic you know, best villains, they're the ones who think that they are right. You know, they think they're, and, and some of Sabath's reasoning kind of is like, well, I mean, I could see where where that person would think that they were right. I mean, here's a Jedi Master, well, Jedi Master clone, who looks at everybody else as less than because, well, I'm a Jedi. I can do all these things. I can control this. I can control you. I can do all of these things, and you can't. Therefore, I must be superior and granted, I mean that's definitely not you know that's a quirk in the cloning. It seems like, or maybe it was something that carried over from the original Sabath. I mean, maybe the the the, the original guy was a flawed human, was a flawed person, mm. uh, being whatever, yeah. uh, and 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 had this in his personality. He just got magnified by by being a clone. But I don't think it's classically evil in that he's like, ha ha, I'm gonna get everybody. He's like, no, this is the way I'm gonna do it because he sees that as like, and this is how you know, this is power and this is, you know, even though he is talking about power, so that does definitely put him on the bad end of the spectrum. But I, I I, don't see it as just clearly good and bad. He's like, he does have a moral compass. It's just completely skewed. Yeah. But he feels like he is following that moral compass and that he is in the right, you know? Does that make any sense? No, it, dude, it totally does. And to support one of your
2: theories about Sabath's sort of unrelenting ambition is that in the book, Timothy Zonrow, Outbound Flight, this is published by Del Rey, not Bantam, but this was in the year of our Lord. Let's see. Again, going to the bookshelf. It's exactly what I did is just go to this bookshelf. Where is the publishing on this? Wait, here it is, 2006. Um, 2007, this book came out. And it talks about the outbound flight where the original Master Saboth is there. He actually meets Thron, which makes a connection of how Thron was able to know that this guy was a clone right out the back. Is like I saw the first one die. Spoiler alert for those who
1: have ah. the
2: outbound flight. Highly recommended for some backstory on Thron and Saboth and their connections to the Emperor. But the uh, the the Joris Kaboth, Master JMS Master Joris Kaboth would. Um, let's just say he would not be made a Jedi master in 2020 uh-huh. but based on his performance in this book as a member of the Jedi council and as a Jedi master, just not a very model Jedi. we will say very uh-huh. ambitious, very borderline narcissistic, Interesting. Uh, he's very cast based in his belief mm-hmm. of if you are a force user, you are inherently of higher class. Than everybody else, uh,
3: so it does kind of fit. Like it was just, it just took what was already bent in the dude and just like bent it further. Exactly, and that's why he's even more psycho about
2: it. Which one of his big problems that Thrawn did, and that you guys mentioned, you know, Sabath was able to maintain control over that small population on his planet of Wayland or wherever it was, mm-hmm. but on uh, on Mount Tantis, the Emperor's hidden base you have thrawn handing him this like imperial ground force detachment to defend the base with knowing full well that sabath is probably just going to take control of these dudes and just mess the whole thing up which inevitably is what happens
3: yeah 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 that was that was a bit of a that was a bit of a misstep just a little. Yeah, just that a little. was a big misstep. Like, why would you do that,
2: knowing that this is what's going to happen? Where you don't need sabbath anymore. You've already obtained what you've need to obtain, which is your show of fear and the intent of destruction. People just know it as perceived, uh, the perceived loss that's ahead of them. The Thrawn is in the battle. Like the way that Thrawn uses Delta Source, the hidden organic asset. Still within the Imperial Palace, which some dude needs to be fired for letting that go on for as long as it did. <laughs> sabotage. <laughs> they use that to sabotage Thrawn's really only competition, Admiral Akbar. So you have Boris Felia, who's playing the political game, being manipulated by Thrawn. Into trying to take Admiral Akbar's job, where Admiral Akbar is really the one qualified and experienced to defend the Republic against Thrawn, mm. he's all tied up in internal political matters, and Thrawn just swoops right in because, as you say, with uh, Coruscant being blockaded by all those asteroids, Coruscant is effectively out of the war. Same was same with Akbar. Yep. Um, mm. So again, Thrawn is just using tools to further his means. Yeah,
0: okay. and and it's kind of ironic that the rebels now the new republic, they are the ones that end up suffering from those kinds of shenanigans. Evil shenanigans. Whereas we see the empire, at least in the first couple books, operating in a much different way. As we talked about, almost—I I, I mean, I wouldn't dare say it was like you know rebel-like because they, they had a lot of resources. Let, let's be honest. You know, it's not—it's not like the empire was 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 hurting for ships, but um well i mean they kind of were i mean they 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 really they
3: couldn't afford to risk too many star destroyers at any one time they only you know they had a limited number of those
0: yeah i would say it was was just an interesting juxtaposition that you had them being the ones thinking outside of the box but you had the new republic aka rebels are were the ones that were kind of weighed down by you know all of the politics and you know, just just greed and, you know, especially with Boris, I don't know how to say his name, fit failure, is that what it was? Failure, failure. Bors, failure. yeah. You know, just having all that stuff play out as a distraction. The fact that that, that Thrawn could do that was never something that would have happened or, or could have happened with the Rebellion because they were the ones who are kind of fighting from behind. So yeah. it's kind of interesting tug of war you kind of see when, when, you're the established party ruling, you know, the galaxy, so to speak, or trying to rule the galaxy, and then you have the one that's struggling to kind of re reclaim their their place.
3: Yeah, which is interesting because it is kind of weird that you have the you have the Empire as such, kind of as the as the underdogs, because you're you're trying to reverse the positions, but at the same time, Zon didn't re- didn't truly make the Rebel Alliance or or whatever you want to call them at this point truly the kind of the the people who have the upper hand they're still he it's still trying to play them as somewhat of the underdog yeah, yeah. which kind of works because it, it it does make it a little bit more gray area because even though they do have kind of the upper hand and they do have the high ground they can be subverted at, at, at every chance because of just the one there it's a coalition mm-hmm. and all it takes is a couple people starting to cause waves and now you get you know people distract with infighting like you say but then also it's a it's a very young kind of coalition mm-hmm. so it can yes, fall apart real easy and then and they're still trying to catch up from you know taking over and trying to manage a galaxy yeah yeah so in in some ways i thought it was a little bit you know it almost would have been better to set like another couple of years down the line and make the and make the uh why do i keep on calling it rebel alliance it's not even called the rebel alliance in there what are they what are they calling it at that point the new the, republic the, the new republic. republic sorry thank you uh so make the new republic a little bit more powerful and a little bit more solid and that way it kind of this threat from the outside yeah has to be you know kind of equal to that i don't uh, um, i don't know maybe i'm trying to like guest editor this thing i don't know <laughs> No, <laughs> no. But I, I did like how it was. It was a little bit more gray area within yeah. these books, rather than just you know good guys, bad guys. The, the good guys are wearing the white hats, and the bad guys are wearing the black hats. You right. know, um, I I did like the fact that all uh, actually getting back into the the cloning thing. I liked the, how we do get cloning in this because it had really only been mentioned kind of vaguely in passing, like oh, you serve my father mm-hmm. in the Clone Wars mm-hmm. in yes. the original trilogy, yes. and being before the prequel trilogy, this really kind of opened up that entire area and started getting into, like, okay, now how did you get all these clones and how did that whole thing happen? And uh, th- that was interesting to me, uh, reading it now, and I'm sure it was kind of weird at the time, but now it's like, oh, hey, it connects those dots.
0: Yeah, yeah. And and it was interesting to have you know one of the, the reveals in the third book be about the influence of the Force on the cloning process and how um you know the 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 introduction in the first book of um i think it's pronounced this way salamiri um mm-hmm. as as these blockers of the force these creatures that essentially create a, a force void sort of bubble around them
2: how convenient um,
0: yes yes ah, and, yes and you know let's be honest it's probably the only way thrawn could have originally you know operated around S- Saboth without Saboth, you know you know wrangling him and choking him down but um <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but but how they they use those you you know those creatures in in the third book to kind of um, highlight the point that in order for Thrawn to mass produce clones at, at such a rapid rate and grow them so quickly that they they have to nullify the Force in order to to take away that that instability that it's it's the Force that that really kind of creates the instability within the clones um, and and causes it to to have to be a much longer process than. Than, than what's going on, at, you know, at the time of the third book. Mm-hmm. They're convenient.
2: That, I mean, they're convenient. Sorry, go on, Todd. No, no, no. You go ahead. I mean, they're convenient crutch. You know, it's it's yes very very interesting to have, and you get a cool description of them when you have Mara and Luke Skywalker in the forest. Mara keeping Luke Skywalker away from Grand Admiral Thrawn because she's with Talon Car, the smuggler, and they're being tracked with uh, Vornskers in mm-hmm. the woods and who are force sensitive in a way that they track you using the force. Mm. So it makes it very interesting and challenging for our hero and heroine, heroine. And, um, you come to find out like the power that you have, but is it enough though? Like there was one mention in, in the story where grand Emerald Thrawn envisioned an army of force sensitive users do you think that could have actually worked? I don't think so. I think that's a little bit too grandiose even for Thrawn.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I don't, I don't even, think so. I don't even remember that part. When
3: was that?
2: It was like a one-liner in Lash Command, I think.
1: Huh.
2: I oh, they have a page number. You're usually good on the page number. I don't have the page number.
3: Sheesh, if you did i'd be kind of i'd be a little scared well i always write them down <laughs> I'm a loser.
0: well quick quick plug for your show your last episode 134 you were on point with the uh hour minute and second of the <laughs> of all the all the scenes you guys were going through in the movies it was pretty it was pretty hysterical to listen to you rattle that off you
3: thank you well, nicely I mean, done you,
0: sir nicely done gotta, Jimmy dice is the rain it,
3: man of star wars make it different and interesting right
0: <laughs> absolutely absolutely
3: yeah, there's there's 23 toothpicks left in the box. <laughs> <laughs>
2: at one hour, 25 minutes, 32 seconds.
0: I mean, that's literally how. Yeah, and, and the other, and 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 his other uh, mates there would be, you know, just rattling off scenes they like, and he would just come in with the time, the scene. Oh, <laughs> uh, like oh yeah, at two hours. Date 25. it was filmed.
3: <laughs> yeah, this was filmed on a Tuesday. <laughs> It was cloudy that day. Can't tell was by the That's
2: why you only get so many angles. <laughs> Damn Brits! <laughs> Gambling problem. That's why we didn't show up that day.
1: Uh, good stuff. Good stuff.
3: Uh, I, you know, and I, I, do. One of the things that I did appreciate, and this was when I first started reading, um, uh, what was the first book again? "Air to the Empire," right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I, when I started reading that one, I actually read that entire book in like a weekend. I sat yeah. down on a, on a Saturday morning, and I started it, and I think I might have read, gosh, two-thirds of it in one day. I just tore through it. And and part of it was that all of the characters that I knew and loved from the, the OG trilogy, mm-hmm. they all read exactly the way that they sounded in the movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and yeah. Zahn did such a great job of, of writing these characters just like they were. It's like you, you picked up right... Where that you left off, and I'm hearing the actors in my head reading the dialogue, and it just rang completely true. Mm-hmm. And I, I like that it was it was a it was a very nice sort of comfort food feeling. Like oh hey I, I know this I like this this is this is the stuff I like yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. he did Zahn did a great job at that I think.
2: Oh absolutely,
3: <clears throat> he definitely um, gave us the feeling of
2: post Return of the Jedi Luke Han. Leia, Lando, Chewy. Mm-hmm. One thing that kind of bothered me first couple pages: Luke Skywalker and this warm, sweet concoction Lando got for him—hot oh, yeah. chocolate. I was like, "Are you kidding me?" That's that was that stupid. was a little
3: weird. That was a little weird. Oh, like spending that much time for a reveal? Like, oh, there's hot chocolate in this galaxy? Yeah, I'm like, no, no, okay. no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. And we while we're spent... on the
0: topic of Lando, how many businesses does this man lose going into uh, <laughs> going into business with the new republic slash rebels? Oh, <laughs> well the thing is
3: it's always it's like the always the rebels come around and everything goes right to crap and he's like, Man <laughs> I do appreciate how he does have like this adversarial thing with with Han just like, you know what, another damn business. I was doing fine till you showed <laughs> up. <laughs> I mean Doesn't pay to be good. Right? No, right. it's like you took my ship, you took my Cloud City, then you took my damn creeping, crawling mining thing. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> whatever the hell this is. I mean, yeah, it's like yeah. it's built on a bunch of you know, is it AT-ATs or at Yeah. It's like, oh yeah,
0: why not? I just have this 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 the, the, that scene from Solo after after Han has has essentially crashed the Falcon mm. on that planet. His arm around him. <laughs> He's mm. like, I hate you. <laughs> <laughs>
2: i will never want to yes. see you again.
0: I'm going to be <laughs> on my ship.
3: Uh, that was good. Oh my gosh. They, they, uh, 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 what was <laughs> what, what was the actor's name again? Uh who played who played Oh uh, gosh. Uh, Lennard? No, no, not not, not Han. I Lando. could care less. Lennie Glover? Yes. Not Danny Glover. Donald Glover. <laughs> Donald Glover, yeah. Dan- Danny Glover. I'm getting too old for this. I'm
1: getting over this shit. <laughs> I was
3: That making... would have been... In, that was some impressive de-aging they did on Danny. I can't even... I just always couldn't mix, even uh, tell. Danny
2: and Donald. I always mix, mix them up. Because to me, I've known like a Donald whose nickname was a Danny. Like, oh, Donald, we call him Dan all the time, so yeah, it totally <laughs> messes with my head.
3: Really? Is that a thing? I would think you'd just call him Don,
2: hey, not man, Dan. I don't know. You have nicknames <laughs> that just come from nowhere, like Jimmy Dice. I don't know. I'm yeah. not into gambling or anything.
3: No, not at all. Not you, sir. <laughs> Speaking of which, how, how'd how your NFL day turn out today? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even buy into that now. Oh, okay. Oh, that's right. You like your gambling in person. Mm-hmm. I forget. I can't go uh, the dice. Can't do it. Well, yeah, you know, and actually going back to something that Tim brought up just with a with talent card, I, I really liked how how Zahn used these new characters to kind of help inform you about uh, characters that you already knew about. So I liked how we get General uh, Ilbis. Did mm-hmm. I get that right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he kind of gives you a, some more background and depth on Mon Mothma, who is always kind of this character that you, it was that mm-hmm. she was there. But how much did you really know about her? She was just the lady who talked like this and wore a big white robe and a necklace and things. And, you know, it was very proper. Many and you're like, Bostons
0: yeah. died.
3: Yeah. She's obviously kind of in charge, but <laughs> what does she actually do and who is she? And we, Great you know, through Elvis, you, you kind of get some, you get more background on Mon Mothman. It yeah. kind of fills out the character. It makes her actually feel like an actual character now, not just like, oh, well, someone's got to be in charge. Her. Um <laughs> And I like how Card, you know, like you said, it kind of fills out a little bit more a little bit more shading to like what smuggling is like, but it's a totally different thing. It's not just another like wildcat smuggler like Han Solo was where he's doing his own thing. Like this dude is actually way more accomplished than Han Solo was as a smuggler ever. You know? I mean he's got his own organization. All the smugglers. Oh, yeah, he's he's like the the top guy and is, again, is is just a very smart character, is not some doofus. And, and, you know, I just thought it was really good to actually, again, have another character where you're like, this guy actually knows what's going on. Cool. Yeah. And it's not just like all like, oh, hey, he lucked into it. It's like, no, he planned that stuff. He figured some stuff out.
0: Well, and, 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 and like you said, it's not so much about, like in the book, it's about him pulling off some sort of smuggling, you know, shenanigans or anything like that. It's more about, Evil shenanigans, you know, just getting, like like you said, like his crew, his his setup on Merc and, you know, how they operate. And, you mm-hmm. know, it, it, it's just so much more involved than, you know, I think you said it best, Todd. I think it's, you know, Han Solo is kind of like playing wildcat shooting from the hip.
3: You know, well, uh, well, it's that he's uh, I what is it? I think that was just a term for like drilling and stuff, or or like that's like the one, those are the people who are out just by themselves, yeah, Yeah. you know. So he's he's just a self contained unit, whereas Card is like, no, screw that. I want to make some actual money. I've got an organization, he's got plans,
0: he's got backup plans, and he's got backup plans for those plans, (laughs) yeah. And and (laughs) it's like,
3: come work for me, I'll give you like, I'll give you health insurance, dental, vision. I got a 401k, 401k man. That's
2: by all your revenge needs. Oh, well, that too. I, I like how, again, staying true to form, uh, Han Solo shooting first. You know, we have Han Solo who shot first, shot Greedo in uh, A New Hope. Mm-hmm. We have Han Solo that upon entering the room at Cloud City, Darth Vader's there, just whips out his blaster and just fires away. Mm-hmm. Like, nope, God, just trying to kill this guy. Yeah, Straight up.
3: So- don't mind me (laughs) and we
2: also have that in last command when he encounters sabath towards the end um, he just straight up like whips out his blaster and just starts firing at him i was like man like what (laughs) kind of mindset do you have to be or over time you just you walk into a room you see someone and your in your reaction is just like gonna kill this guy right now drop him dead and he, Harrison, I say Harrison 4, Han Solo must have the universe galaxy record for attacking a force user with a blaster and surviving. Yeah,
1: yeah.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I just, uh, you know, I kind of just walked in and he's just stand there. So I just figured, hell with it. I'm just going to shoot him. <laughs> we would be honored if you would join us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pew pew. pew, pew. Sit your ass down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. And Lando's singing, don't scratch the paint. <laughs> yeah, right? Um, I just had this I, room painted. I, I haven't paid for all of this yet. I hate this you. Is on, <laughs> this is on credit. Damn it. I'm still making payments.
2: Another <laughs> do you know big. How, um...
3: Do you know how much you have to pay for a freaking Cloud City? Damn. That's
2: a lot to ban a gas.
3: <laughs> Time for a few fart jokes. That's speaking, of gas, speaking of gas, Tim, how's your dinner settling? Because you, you had quite the dinner. Written. I'm good. I'm, I'm doing oh, great. Good. I'm good. doing
0: great. Thank you very much.
3: Good. <laughs> All right. Jimmy, you were going to say something before I had to um, interrupt.
2: I'm sorry. Well, I'd say another, another Thrawn big mistake is just complete trust in the Nogri. Um uh,
0: mm, yes.
2: And just assuming that they wouldn't betray him despite all the awful things that Vader and the Empire had done to their planet. Yeah. Like, why not yeah. after all this that we see with everything else, with you know, rewarding uh innovation within your ranks and the enlisted in the enlisted staff, like why not improve the Nogrees position by helping them in some way? I mean, maybe like what if they instead of destroying the Minari Mountains, or whatever, when they were there for defying him or lying to him, or whatever. What if it? What if he actually just tried to help them because he saw how they all reacted when they realized that Leia was Lady Vader, the daughter of Le- of Darth Vader? Mm-hmm. Imagine what they would have done to Thrawn if Thrawn actually was helping them with their world, and would that, with any kind, any gesture of goodwill, faith? Have, you know helpfulness to the Nogri have prevented Rook from betraying Grand Admiral Thrawn in the end and killing him. Even knowing that the Empire is bad and awful or whatever, he could be in the position. Well, this guy just helped my planet, right? I'm not going to go stab this guy in the back. Maybe I'll get real pissed at him later on and like leave,
3: but maybe he wouldn't have died.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well,
3: let me offer one theory, and this is completely just off the cuff so go ahead and feel free to you know down this as soon as I'm finished but so we already we already get to hear a little bit about prejudice in the in the Star Wars universe where you know there's there's droid you know we don't allow droids in here uh, you know or things like that and then Han Solo apparently really doesn't like droids either and the and and the emperor didn't like to have non-humans as uh as officers which is why Thrawn was such a uh, a, a big exception to become a grand admiral and be a non-human. Mm-hmm. Could it be that Thrawn, It's it, w- his weakness in that area is a common uh, is a combination of that's like his one area of hubris combined with he has a he has a prejudice against the Nogri.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, it could yeah, it, it kind of plays out that way in in the books. Although I guess kind of the way I read it, it was more him leveraging this honor-bound system that they kind of abide by. And, well, yeah, and that'd and, be and, that'd be and, the and, hubris
3: point, thinking that there's no way that that could backfire on them.
0: Sure, I, yeah, yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I mean, there, there's that aspect of it, but there's also the aspect, of and this is kind of textbook Thrawn, is, is him just knowing how to pull the levers of that culture, you know, to, to get them to do his bidding and to, mm-hmm. to keep them mm-hmm. under his heel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the thing he excels at is, is, you know, I mean, for lack of a better term, pulling levers of different cultures and, and kind of, you know, forcing their hand in, in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. you're right. I, I do think that's the hubris that does lend itself, you know, to what ends up happening to him because this, this arc with them is one of my favorite points of these three books is just that from, from going from them being assassins who are hunting down, you know, Leia to Leia coming to their home world because of the fact that her tide of Vader kind of gives her some renown with them Mm -hmm. to her revealing, you know, basically what the Empire's done to them and then turning them in some, you know, fashion, you know, to, to, to work against them. And then finally, you know, for, for them to carry out, you know, what they did against the empire and, and ultimately with Rook, you know, taking out Thrawn was just kind of a, it, it was just a great arc across the three books um, to, to see mm. that, that that evolve that way. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but to, but back to what you were saying, Todd, with with the hubris. Yeah, I I totally see that as as a flaw with him. I, I think that's probably his, where he had a blind spot.
2: Mm. I agree with the hubris part. I mean, I think he definitely has a, a, a very mathematical, calculated. This is his interpretation based on. These X Y Z factors, and more likely than not, his choice he'll go with will be you know one with eighty five percent success rate. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. um, or
2: more likely than not, this is what's going to happen. So that's where I'm going to go because this is how I'm reading this culture through the evidence given to me by their art, by their actions, the way they're talking, their body posture, how all the other cool things that Thrawn takes into evaluating his enemy, but. <clears throat> Also at the same time, he can be dubiously deceived with Cabraca, I think, Cabrak or wherever his name was, the one who yeah. discovered Lady Vader, gone for one month. Mm. And no real serious wonder if I thrown Like there's a quick question it's like, where have you been?
1: Where did you go? Oh. Yeah. Where did you go? Okay. Where did you go? Cool. Where did you go?
3: Carry on. Like, yeah. Ooh got a flat tire sorry yeah
2: (laughs) i don't know about that
3: um so there are are a few
2: things and and another thing i ground my gears a little bit is thrawn is just a this is his train and everybody's just a part riding along for the ride you know what i mean he's not sharing his plans with pelion the the moment that thrawn dies pelion's just like no i'm not even gonna try this retreat pull the plug we're, we're we're draining, we're flushing the baby with the bathwater on this one. No, we're just yeah. not even going to try. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And very symbolic to Pelion's failure at Endor, not his personal failure, but being witness to failure, because he had to order the retreat from Endor after the Emperor died, after the Superstar Destroyer crashed into the Death Star, because that was detailed in the book as well. So now he has to then do that again. Ordering a fleet withdrawal from a conflict because the leader is dead and he's got no freaking idea what the heck to do.
3: Yeah. Now, is, is it just me or is it one of those deals where does a superstar destroyer seem like the dumbest thing ever aside from, hey, you know, that thing that we built before that the rebels blew up and it didn't end up being anything? Let's build let's a build bigger one. one those. Yeah, let's do that. That'll, I mean, it's, I mean, what are the odds? What are the odds? I mean, it can't you be know? anywhere.
2: I mean, it'd be like, It'd be like building a planet solar system killing machine out of a planet.
3: I know.
1: <laughs> or, or like
2: taking it that next step further. This is the size of the first Death Star. This is the size of the second Death Star. And this is the size of Star Killer Base. Yep. I'll just let that and, let that slide for right now. And then of
3: course, you know, Han Solo. like there's always a way to blow it up. There's always a way to blow it up. Like, of course there is always because a kill switch that's you know. not how the force works
2: <laughs> you know it's people it, are it's, counting on us the galaxy is counting on us
3: so the i, I was watching oceans 13 with my uh, with a family tonight because you know i'm parent of the year and uh, it's that point where they're <laughs> talking oh, about like Movies. the greco player tracker and danny ocean's like why don't we just you know shut the power off and and, and uh, eddie Izard, who's playing nagel is like Betty yet, why don't we just kill kick the plug out of the socket?
2: <laughs> yeah, I was like,
3: It's like, "Hey, that's the exact same theory that they they, they kind of use for every death star that shows up. Like there's got to be a way to shut the thing down. It's just the way it be is. a way." out of the
2: event I could drop
3: a proton torpedo in. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there's got to be some way for one one ship, one ship to take out the entire freaking place. There's got to be a way. One is the loneliest number. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. <laughs> Unless you're the Rebel Alliance, and then it's your best friend, apparently. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but, yeah, no, the, but the Superstar Destroyer always struck me as, like, the dumbest thing. Like, hey, here's this gigantic ship and this little tiny bridge on top of it. But what's the purpose? Like, it, it, uh, all I can think of when I see that now is Spaceball 1. That's all <laughs> I can think about It's just that really long ship that just keeps going and going. There's no <laughs> particular reason for it. Mm-hmm. That's all I think about when I see the Superstar Destroyer. When I first saw it as a kid, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, that's cool" because it's huge. And now I'm like, "But really, eh, okay, I guess." Well, oh. and
0: and you remember how that ship was taken out, don't you?
3: Uh, yeah, it was again one ship, right? That hit like the bridge, and all it took
0: was an A-wing, baby.
3: All
2: it was light interceptor fighter.
3: You know, I, <laughs> right to the again, bridge. <laughs> Who was it? What was the astronaut who was talking about? You know the feeling of being strapped onto all that rocket fuel and machinery, all built by the lowest, you know, the lowest bidder. Oh. <laughs> the same thing. Like who built the damn super star destroyer? Like yeah. I'll do that for less. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, in their defense, it had received you know
2: significant amount of fire to lower their shields, and then finally the one dude like snuck through.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Still. But yeah. No, but no, I'm, you're right. I'm heard with you.
0: I'm but spe- <laughs> but speaking of big ships, uh, thoughts on the Katana fleet. Are we now
3: wait a minute, are we going to go into like what I what I liked or what I didn't like? Cuz are we are we are we
0: well, I, I, are I, we th- turning that corner cuz I feel like we are. We're close. I I for me the Katana ah. fleet was something I liked.
3: Oh, okay. Then then please proceed. But proceed I, to the I, I was opening before up we get to the thunderclouds. For for
0: you fine <laughs> gentlemen uh, to comment as well, but I I just like the concept of this kind of lost fleet that was out there um and and having both the new republic and the the former empire kind of you know in a race to uh to claim them you know um and and finding like like i don't know how it would play out in a movie exactly but i did like the end of dark forces rising where you know uh, apparently something happens completely off the page with with ron claiming about i think he claims like three quarters of the fleet and then mm-hmm. how many of them are there? Is like two hundred and eighty ships or something like that? Is that what? Ah, uh, yeah,
2: several, Yeah, I can't remember exactly. It's number it's, it's
0: somewhere in that. It's like in the yeah. two hundred somewhere. But, um, but all of these ships are are you know run. You know they, they need a full complement of of people. Hence the cloning, and so. You know, so we find Thrawn, you know, capturing it after this kind of race to find it. You know, Talon card again comes into play as someone who kind of stumbled into, uh, you know, finding one or or, or finding, um, you know, wh- where the fleet was and, you know, trying to, uh, you know, leverage that information to some I degree. I can tell
3: but, by
2: this piece of blue gold cloth that this game yeah. had <laughs> been a fleet.
3: Because Lando's an interior decorator as well, don't you
2: know? It's one piece of cloth. There is no other cloth in the galaxy, on the underside of a space seat that is blue and gold in this particular yeah. woven fabric.
3: Lando Holmes, ladies and gentlemen, Lando Holmes. I would
0: have, I would have put that in the Falcon if you hadn't taken it from me. I hate you. Yes. yes. <laughs> Actually,
3: it wasn't. It was in the. It was in that little like you know boudoir that he had that got ejected. <laughs> That's right. Oh, all well, my capes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did really like that part in solo where she's like, look at all the capes. Oh, <laughs> Friggin. That was, amazing. That oh, was man. awesome. I, I like the idea of the Katana fleet, uh, however, now didn't wasn't the entire reason that the Katana fleet all jumped away was that they they all were they, they had that whole slave circuit thing. They did, and was- there was
2: a there was a virus that overtook all the crew. In order to, to contain the virus, they just ordered a blind jump into hyperspace, and apparently they, they've all just been in hyperspace since.
3: Yeah, since whenever. so yeah. But why why then do you need the full complement of crew if you have them all slaved together? You could still pilot them away, but still to operate them,
2: you would need to have a substantial crew level to like op- operate them properly. It'd be like setting a recall button on all your cars or something like that so they would follow you up and down the highway. If you want them to do any kind of complex maneuvering, attacking, Mm -hmm. you want this car to go in reverse, do a two-point turn, reverse, whatever, parking, uh, parallel parking or whatever, using my car analogy, I guess.
0: Look who's got pack.
2: It would take a lot more than just what their basic slave system could do, hence
3: why Grand Animal Throne had the clones. He's got pack. Well, that's the thing that I kind of didn't understand because it seemed like there was an awful lot of pages dedicated to the whole idea of like these slave circuits i mean we get it when when they're going into the the ultra hot planet that lando's running his like roving mining Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thing on and we you know we get a big discussion about that and and it comes up a couple other places and then that's given as the whole reason for the you know the entire katana fleet doing their event horizon you know jump out to wherever and then reappearing which i i actually just looked up i was, i'm pretty sure that event horizon grabbed their premise from somebody's Zahn. i think <laughs> yeah, i th- probably <laughs> i think mr zahn needs to get some money but i don't then again i don't some know how royalties much i don't know how much money event horizon has yeah. really made so Ooh. maybe not that much money uh but i always thought it was kind of weird that 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 was like okay yeah that's a big setup but then it's like, oh, well, all these ships were all slaved together, and that's how they got here, and they all jumped at once, and this and that. Oh, but we, now we need to crew them. Like, well, but wait a minute. There was this whole, you just told me, and the, but the, okay, so that's pages I'm never getting back in my life. Like, I've wasted how many minutes reading about slave circuits, and it really kind of... Didn't amount to much. Yeah, you know <laughs> that was a part that was a little confusing to me. Yeah, but yes, yeah, so it, it's a cool concept. It definitely is a cool concept, and I think it was as as flawed as I think it was, uh, which we'll get to next. Mm-hmm. I, it was definitely executed a bit better here than it was in um, Rise of Skywalker. Which isn't that sort of like sort of supposed to be like the pseudo Katana Fleet in that movie? Isn't that what they're uh, kind of? Oh going yes, for? Y-
0: yeah. I mean, I guess in some ways. You could look at it as what the that would Folk look Katana. Like.
2: Well, those were all being, but the in Rise of Skywalker, those Star Destroyers were being built in secret. The premise being there were thousands of Sith acolytes in position of power, almost like the Skull and Bone Society, evil version of North America, funneling ah. all this cash and their children to these Star Destroyers to pilot them, man them, and build up the secret fleet in order to unleash on the galaxy,
3: hmm. it was the same kind of premise where they all had to like jump together to, in order to get through whatever that thing was like the.
0: To, 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 to get away or from whatever. Mexico, you mean? Yeah, they yeah. had to go yeah. through
3: like the chaos or the unknown regions portion of
2: that. So, yeah, they would have to have had a guide or some way to like lay out how the heck they were getting out of there. And that's what that antenna array was going to be. That was like the navigational buoy. Get out,
3: gotcha. Yes. All right, all right. Yeah. One more, one more positive. I just want to throw out because I, I actually, I did really enjoy reading these books, and uh, I think that the first, I, I think they were all quick reads. So, I mean, anyone who's looking for something that isn't going to be like you know, war and peace and some gigantic, you know, tome as, as I described Dune in our last episode, probably <laughs> dismissively. So, um, but which I actually did order. So Dune is on its way to my, to my house. So I'll be able to uh, read that before nice. catching the movie whenever nice. we're allowed back out to movies again. But, uh, it, these are pretty, I, I found them very quick to read, very easy reads. Um, and I think they were really well paced, Across the first two books, the third one uh, has its own problems, and we'll get into that in a minute. But I thought the first two were very well paced and and were, you know, super fast to read. Uh, and 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 I don't mean that in a in a kind of like oh, and they, you know, they were so light and fluffy or anything like that. But they were they were good reads, but they were also quick reads. It didn't it didn't take like days and you know months and years to get through them, which was nice.
0: Yeah. Sure. One last uh, like for me is the uh, aspect of cloaking, um, something that had never really been done in Star Wars. Um, you know, Again, if we take the books as when they were written, cloaking was always kind of the domain of Star Trek and yes. uh, was never really something that got introduced. So it was, it was interesting to see that um, come into play You know, in book one with the uh, Sluice Van Shipyard battle and, and a few other skirmishes before then. As as Thrawn kind of works out the kinks to the technology, and then the one I really liked was the way he just kind of dumped like twenty two asteroids around Coruscant, cloaked him, mm. and then I I forget what it was. Uh, Jimmy Des can probably fill in fill in the uh, gaps for me here, but the the uh, trick he did to make them believe there was two hundred and fifty <laughs> on the planet yeah. was pretty funny. So oh great, I I thought that was just another just brilliant brilliant move on his part, like something you never would see Vader or the emperor do i mean it was just it was just a a, a great just just tactic yeah, yeah. So they
2: they uh, <clears throat> they didn't know that they were asteroids to begin with
1: yes they, you're, they, yes. You're they, right.
2: they just they just assumed that he they they pieced together that he was releasing something an asteroid a cloaked asteroid thrawn didn't actually say anything if i recall correctly and they were using the tractor beam from the hangar deck to like vent air, oxygen, whatever atmosphere in order to like expel the asteroid from the destroyer and say they only, I can't remember the exact number, but you know, they had enough for, let's say 63 asteroids or 22 asteroids, but they did it like 600 times. Yes. Yeah. yes. Energy anyway. action expended a significant amount of energy from the star destroyer, but it made it seem like, that they've been releasing all these asteroids at this period of time, and all the Repu- New Republic has to do is just do some backwards math to determine, like, oh, man, that could be several hundred of these cloaked asteroids. And if we yeah. take down our shield, <clears throat> even for an instant, we are f
0: yeah. yeah, Yeah. Yeah.
3: Which was a really elegant, you know, way of taking a planet out instead of just, you know, the way that, you know, Vader would have been like, you know... <gasps> just, you know, well, I mean, it would have been a, you know, like take off and nuke the planet from orbit. It's the only way to be sure, uh, you know, but it was, it was a very, although it was a very James Bondish sort of solution. Now that I think about it, it is, it is one of those kind of Rube Goldberg device kind of things that you would see out of a James Bond villain, but man, it was cool. It yeah. was a very cool way to do it. And,
0: and, you know, when, when you look at Star Trek and how they've used it, it's always been in a very direct manner as, as a function of a ship. You know, and, mm. and so it was just for, for, you know, for me reading it for the first time, it, it was just kind of a, a cool way to take that technology and put a different spin on it and, and, and do it in, in kind of a Star Wars unique kind of way. So. Yeah. So, yeah. So that that was another like for me on that one.
3: And I, I do like and I think you pointed this out in uh, in the pre in, in Thrawn with the Wind Prime. Uh, I think that. <laughs> Legends, I think, legends. Yeah, legends, legends, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I, I like how they took it a step further and they're like, oh, well, when you're cloaked, it's, it goes both ways. Like you are, you, you, you're, they can't see you, but you can't see anything either. Mm. So there is, it, it's not just a, you know, oh, well, you can't fire your weapons. Like it always was in Star Trek, yes. which was, yeah. was, it, it was that kind of like you're here's an exchange. Now it's like, hey here's a here's a great deal uh they can't see you, oh, but by the way there's an it's an equal thing for you. You can't see them either, so you have no idea. I liked how it made it almost like a gee, do we really want to do that? I mean, would you really want to use a cloaking device where you can't tell where the hell you are, yeah. You know, unless you have, of course, a crazy-ass Jedi who's going to be like, no, no, I will guide you to the place. Oh, I feel so much better. <laughs> I can see you, Kirk. Yes. Can
2: you see me?
1: Gone!
2: Oh, now be honest, Captain, warrior to warrior. You do prefer it this way, don't you? As you to be. No peace in our time. Once more. <laughs> Unto the breach, dear friends.
3: Oh my God! You have the whole speech memorized. Damn, that yeah, was nice.
2: Track six, undiscovered country.
3: That was that was a very nice reading. Very well done.
2: That was my Christopher Plummer impression. Nice. nice.
3: Oh man, Christopher Plummer. Now wait a minute. So Christopher Plummer, I always get this crossed up. He is the dude. He plays. Um, uh, didn't he end up playing a part in Lord of the Rings? Right, Christopher, Christopher P- Plummer. Uh, no, that's um, Chris Lee. Okay, yeah. See, that's I get those two. Cr- I don't know why Saramot. I get Chris Lee and Christopher Plummer uh, messed up, but I do. Yeah. I don't know
0: why. Christopher Lee was Count Dooku.
3: Okay, all right. So it does actually find its way back to Star Wars it does. In, a, in my own idiotic manner.
0: <laughs> all right.
3: So. <laughs> Again, I'm just trying to undercut all you before you can say it, that's all. He was so I'm-
2: unceremoniously decapitated by young Anakin Skywalker. Do it! Do it! Episode 3, Revenge <laughs> of the Sith.
3: All right, so I think we've now exhausted the what we like about this, and and, and good on you for like making that last for quite a while. Uh, so uh, what didn't you
0: like about these books?
3: I woke up this morning and I just hated everything.
0: I'm going to let you go first. <laughs> Because, <laughs> because right. I I know you're 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 packing a, a six shooter oh, on this right. one. So okay, so let's let let
3: John let let uh, Uncle Todd play the rainy day on this one. Okay, fine. All right. So I thought Thrawn, and this is actually something that Jimmy Dice had alluded to as well. I thought Thrawn was just a little too damn good. Based on uh, Zahn's explanation for all of his strategic prowess. And I think it's mostly because I, he he just never bothered to do one good explanation of why studying the art of his opponents gave him all of this information that allowed him to essentially be, uh, like like Jimmy said, omniscient. Like he, he could just do anything. Like he already knew exactly what was going to happen before it happened, he, he game planned it all. And Zahn never really, all it all it would have taken is like one page, like very quickly explaining like, okay, I kind of saw this and this and this. And then you never have to mention it again. You just have to come up with one instance of how that actually does a damn thing. Mm-hmm. And I'll okay, now I just buy it from now on. You don't need to then explain it every single time it comes up. But he never did. It was like, I've been studying their artwork and now I know everything about them and how to defeat them. Order the attack. <laughs> and, and 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 then they just win. And it's like how? Yeah. Just tell me, just give me a little insight, a hint, anything. Oh, you know, like I you know, like Chris Rock was say a little <laughs> just give me anything <laughs> to, to like as to why this gives him such an edge. Yeah. And I would and I would have bought it because Thrawn is such a great character and and is again like just so refreshing to see an imperial you know commander who knows what the hell he's doing and you who you don't expect to see him like walking onto the bridge of the star destroyer with like toilet paper trailing on his foot (laughs) that's what i expect (laughs) with every other freaking imperial officer and yet this is the one guy who i don't uh, okay just even if you give me a bad explanation or even a half-ass explanation i'll probably allow it just because i like the character but he never did and that was always a real hang up for me and it just got worse and worse and worse because it kept on getting used because that was always the go to for Zahn was going back to and I, and Pelian walks in and of course he always has to go past Rook who you know surprises Pelion every time which I'm like okay I've I've seen this enough damn times <laughs> yep Rook's going to scare him and this and that and, the, and by even like by, by book 3 when Pelion's like I know he's there and of course he's like yes I'm right here and it's like ah you know, and then it becomes almost farce at that point, but it's always he walks in and then there's all these art displays around, you know, and he, even at one point he has like some of like Admiral Akbar's like crayon drawings from like when he was a young little squid or something, but he never explains again how that has any influence on anything. Yeah. It, that just bugged me and it kept on getting worse and worse as the books went along. Whereas in book one, you just give me one example, we're done and right. I buy it. Right, right.
0: I thought Thrawn as a character in, in his, you know, way of predicting based on understanding, you know, this this culture or, or different cultures, um, I thought played out well in, in one and two. I did feel like it got a little bit uh, long in the tooth in book three, especially around the time when there were those two areas that the that the New Republic were potentially going to attack. And you couldn't quite tell which one they were really going to attack. And mm. at the point when you're reading it and you, you get the sense of where they're really going to go. And then there's this whole back and forth with Thrawn and Pelion. And I felt it was very, <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly like this. I'm, I'm, I'm being a bit extreme when I say this, but I feel like it's, you know, like, like that, that scene from um, the, the, the Princess Bride where uh the the dread pirate roberts and and um what's his name the uh the sicilian oh, v- Vizini are sitting down having oh, a yeah. back and forth and he's like you know going through like all the different ways that he he can outthink him and outsmart him and you know that's <laughs> like what I can
3: clearly not take the one in front of you so i can clearly <laughs> not take the one in front of me so so and
0: i mean eventually you just like pick one <laughs> exactly I can't take it anymore. <laughs> so I, I you know I I did feel like it was getting kind of to a a a bit of a goofy place, you know, that that way because there really wasn't anything there for him to really know where they were going to go and 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 you had to kind of just, you know, suspend disbelief and and just presume he just knew what he was talking about, you know.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And and and, and another one that kind of uh... Okay, so here let's let's get into the real meat of the matter because uh, you have you have you have Mara and you have Luke who are kind of two of the main characters, and this is really kind of coming at a, a, from a lot of different directions. So there's not really any two that are really there's there's no one or two characters who are the main characters. there there's it's a it's an ensemble piece. Mm-hmm. but two of the main characters were pretty boring, if you ask me. Yeah. Uh, and, and one more so than other, uh, more than the other. Oh. Uh, so And I would go with Luke and Mara. So now, for different reasons. Now Luke, because honestly after, and, and this is kind of a downside of what I said before about uh, about Zahn writing these characters exactly as I remembered them, which is fine, except for the fact that I'd like to see some progress out of at least one character. I mean, I understand Han kind of being Han because that's just, you know, he's that guy. And, and Leia is still going to be kind of the same because she's still trying to, you know, walk those worlds. And Lando's going to be Lando and all that. And Chewie is going to be Chewie because, I mean, all you hear is,
0: bah!
3: you know, that's it. But
0: you uh, want but, me to do but, my Luke... impression again or no?
3: Okay, never mind. <laughs> Not really, no. Um, <laughs> so it sounded like a chipmunk in distress. Anyways, so— <laughs> It's like a. Actually, no. I take it back. It's a platypus in distress. Uh, so, but Luke, I actually want to see that character go somewhere, yeah. like, yeah. like progress, because in the at least in the in the OG trilogy, he did kind of progress. But in this in these three books, I don't feel like he changed whatsoever. Yeah. Like, I don't know any more about him as a as a person or as a Jedi or anything. And and the fact is, when he gets his his Jedi, you know powers stripped from him because of the salami the, the salami the the little salamiri not salami come on now salamiri whatever Ooh, the, the <laughs> freaking yeah mm, it's getting late i'm hungry jimmy dice is uh, grabbing a
0: midnight snack now look at it <laughs>
3: excuse me guys i gotta get myself a salami sandwich some provolone i'll be back i'll have have myself an italian a carina um, Roman. <laughs> Ooh, oh, i don't even know what that is and i'm hungry um mm. anyways but i i feel like once he gets those jedi powers stripped away from he's borderline incompetent not just as a jedi but as like a human being like if <laughs> if he doesn't have his jedi powers like he's probably gonna pee himself that's what that's a feeling i get I know. and uh, then
2: MacGyver he himself out of something come on he, no not at all he ain't no like, richard dean anderson apparently
3: Oh, hell no. And and we all know there's no there's hot chocolate in this universe, but apparently there isn't no duct tape. Um, <laughs> now, Mara, the funny part is, like she is actually better at everything than Luke is. Yeah. <laughs> but yet she still needs this goody-goody farm boy jabroni for some friggin' reason. I don't know why. Because she's better at everything, like even even eventually, kind of almost ends up being the same level in terms of like Jedi capabilities that he is, which is which amuses me. With so many people who are like, "Oh, I wish they'd done the books. I wish they'd done the books instead of the, instead of the postquel and all this and that." I was like, you know what? Ray picked up a lightsaber after like three minutes of holding one, and all of a sudden she's like, you know, beating Kylo Ren's ass. Frickin' Mara Jade, like, balances a few rocks, and all of a sudden she's, like, taking everybody out. <laughs> okay, sure, why not? <laughs> um, but then the fact is, the, the problem with her is, she just spends the entirety of three books in one emotional state of being pissed off. <laughs> Like if, if you'd give me her in any other mood, if you'd showed a little bit of dynamics in her and I understand like what he was kind of trying to get across like she had taken all had, had all this taken away from her. she was the emperor's hand and everything just robbed from her and she was under the influence of the Empire uh, of the Empire Emperor even after his death okay I get it but man you got to give me something that is besides this whole like I'm just mad I'm mad at everything and everyone and you will kill Luke Skywalker you know like give me something else besides that or give me some other really good background information on her because otherwise it's like there's not much there and I wanted to like her because I mean damn the only other opportunity the only other option is like Luke and it's like he's over there drooling in the corner because he can't like use his force powers I'm like okay fine I'll how about you, Mara? What you got? I'm mad. Oh, oh. <laughs> Right on. Okay, Luke, back to, okay, Luke
0: has just fallen asleep. Flashback to like a Sesame Street sketch or something. When you, t- <laughs> I'm I, mad, I'm mad. <laughs>
3: I'm madder than hell. <laughs> but, it, you know, I, I don't know. That was just, okay. This I'll Uncle Todd moment was brought to you by Sesame Street. All right, go ahead. <sighs> I feel much better now, though. I, I really do. I feel like I've exercised some...
0: I mean some, to to your credit things. you you are bringing the fury in the same manner you did in the first in, in the legends edition. <laughs> oh, <laughs> now well the only thing
2: your hatred has made you stronger.
0: Ah, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Nicely Thank you. done. Nicely done.
3: But yeah, and then uh all right, fine. One more before I get <laughs> into this. Okay. So the other part about this, okay? The other part about this. If I gotta hear about Leia using her, and I'm gonna use my air quotes here, Jedi calming techniques one more time, I ain't gonna be all that calm, and somebody's getting hurt. She never seems pretty calm. No, she's never calm. But all these cal- every time she wakes up. Oh, and then she used her Jedi calming techniques. Hey, she's, and she's, then, she's oh, pregnant,
0: man, and Mon Mothma apparently is uh, sending her everywhere. <laughs> well, you know what?
3: Then tell Mon
0: Mothma <laughs> to go sit and spin on it. I mean, but
3: Don't uh, do that. She's in charge. She's grooming Leia to be the chief of state. But it's like all these like Jedi techniques. And I understand like there's going to be that thing. But to me, it felt like it was so kind of weirdly explained and utilized in these books that it's like it feels like a mixture between like yoga and self-help books. (laughs) And and it's like this was like the coolest thing in the world to me as a kid. And now all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it's just south of Tony Robbins. Awesome. (laughs) Like, I, I feel like I've just had, like, part of my childhood, like, ripped out. Oh, it was just techniques. Like, oh, I see it. And it's like Stuart He's staring himself in a mirror. Like, I'm good, and I'm this, and I can balance rocks with my mind. And I'm going to help the universe. I, I, it just didn't, it felt like it just kind of took away without adding anything to it. You know, I felt like it was taking things off the table and putting nothing back on. That's fair. Fair assumption. All right, I'm, I'm done for right with, now. With, with Mara,
0: though, do, do you feel she... Did, so you you do not feel she evolved over the three books?
3: I, I think she did, but it was primarily in the third book. Okay. And I felt like there could have been a lot more done with that character if there was some way that Zahn had figured other than just she's mad. Like, mm-hmm. that is her primary motivation through everything. She's mad she's mad, she's mad. And I get it, and it, it makes sense, but you have to give me a little bit more or at least some other emotional state or something, and it doesn't even, I mean, yeah, she can still be mad, and then just, but just give me something else that adds some depth to that character because it felt so one-dimensional mm-hmm. that, like, you've got a cool character. I really want to like her. I really do, I, but you're not giving me a whole lot.
2: I guess I would do, um, I guess if you're looking... I would I would say that her struggle with the Emperor's last command, Mm. like hence the title of the third book, is she you must kill Luke Skywalker. And I think it's really important for the story as it wraps this up for her to kill the Luke clone, which she does. Mm hmm. Also taking out old evil man Sabath because we come to find out Luke is way more powerful than he let, than he thinks he is comparatively. And mm. I think it's very important for this almost turned into a Mara growth at the end. If you could look at it from that perspective where Mara defeats Luke, Mara defeats Sabath. She now has that entire old chapter of herself wrapped like yeah. she satisfies that. She satisfies that voice in her head saying that you will kill Luke Skywalker, and she indeed does kill Luke. Skywalker.
3: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean, it, that's it's it's really tough to go through like two and you know, uh, you know, six sevenths of a book before you finally see this growth spurt at the end. Like, it, it would have been nice to have been thrown a bone a little bit earlier. That's. that's heard. That's her yeah. and, and I and I like the character like and, and I like these books despite the little rants I just went on but it was you know I just would have liked to have had a few seeds of that earlier than rather than having to wait till the very end. Mm.
2: No, I get it. I I would say the third book is my least favorite of the three books. Heir to the Empire, I think, is my favorite. The first one, mm, Dark yeah. Force Rising, I can take it or leave it. Last commit. I kind of lose. I lose the spice a little bit. Listen to me. The spice must flow. Going through the books, to be honest, I mean, I still like the stories, but it's just sort of a one to the next and the next and the next and the next. Where the true interest of it for me is the origin story and how Thrawn sets all the stuff up in the first book. We're introduced to these characters and we're introduced in such a way via Star Wars that it's more interesting than watching them just operate normally.
3: Yeah. 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 And I think that's it's kind of cool. I think part of that is because you get a bit more of that world building, and it's the difference between a book and a movie. Yeah. Whereas with the movie, you kind of can't sit there and, you know, we, we talked about, uh, or, or Tim explained, because I haven't seen the movie, uh, but about the beginning of the, the David Lynch version of Dune, where like the first however many minutes is basically just exposition on the screen, and how in a movie, that's like, um, really this is this is what we're doing now okay and we're still doing it and and more oh um are are we am I gonna is there people in this movie or are we just is this like closed caption the whole time <laughs> <I'm> gonna die <laughs> it's like, you know so I get it like I and that was one of the things that I really enjoyed about the first book was like oh wow here's and kind of catching up on that world and filling it out and man it did feel like it it was now. How would you rate the books? Would you because it kind of feels like you, the second book, when you say take it or leave it, would you, would you, did you like the third book better than the second, or or was it definitely a third place for you? Uh, just more of a third place. Okay. In,
2: in the, I mean, I'm not going to say it's like, I hate this book, I'm never going to read it again. It's just of the three, it was my least favorite.
3: Yeah. I just think it's interesting how in the og trilogy i mean people uh, like empire is looked at as kind of like the best of the three in terms of a like a film hmm. you know in, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. cinema if you want and then of course you know if you love furry things and hey you know go get your ewoks in and in, in episode six and you're going to be happy but to, but to have that first one be kind of the favorite by far you know, in yeah, the books and yeah. in terms of this, this trilogy is kind of odd. And then the third one to be that much of a kind of eh, and then it fell off. Yeah. Fair, fair. Yeah. It's hard to stick the land in, man. Oh, it, yeah. And, and, and that is one thing, too, is I, I think that just even attempting this and putting it into the, in the into the context like you did earlier is is very interesting. Because, of course, we only had three Star Wars movies and, and that holiday special, which we don't talk about. And yeah. that was it at yeah. the time you know, and to, to, to start trying to fill out this universe a bit, that's, that's ambitious. And I can, it's bold, know. man. I mean, you're coming up with new planet names. You're coming up with, uh, you're, you're
2: defining some things that have only been referenced or not even talked about ever in the movies for the first time. So you need to have a real grasp of what you're doing. As far as mm-hmm. what world you're in, where you're placing new characters, where is this arc going? Is how does it impact the arc of our classic OT cast? You know, like how does it play well in the sandbox? I feel is what yeah. the, the main lessons
3: here are. Yeah, and it makes some of the things that are a little bit kind of like really. That's what we're gonna do. Like, oh, Lando has another business scheme that he's running. Well, yeah, because you know what? It could happen. We don't. We can only throw. We can only throw so much new crap at you. Yeah. And we've already got a. We've got a. You know, there's no emperor. We've got a competent. You know, em- imperial officer at the head of this thing, and you got a clone. You know, who's whacked out. You know, some whacked out Jedi who's now your other big baddie like we've already thrown enough new stuff at you we, now, we know those
2: knees are only going to hold on for so much many more years yeah, you
3: know yeah so so lando's got himself another wacky business deal so uh, you know whatever and and we're going to take it away from him again hmm. <laughs> yeah and somewhere billy d is like i told you i told you they were going to do that um one
0: all right one so, one point though that you had brought up todd um in in our legends edition um, was, <laughs> Jeez. well, and, and no, but I mean, it, I it's, just, I love, I'm, it's I'm, I'm, a good g- I'm getting a real
3: kick out of that now. It's
0: a good point was, um, how the end of last command felt kind of rushed. Mm-hmm. Because oh, I, good I, Lord. Yes. I think as you had put it in, and, and correctly so that I think with 60 or 70 pages left, there were three different streams of, of events going on that needed well, to get tied up in some way. And and you're just looking at this like how on earth are you going to cohesively do this? And and I I agree. I I think there was a bit of of hurried nature to how that all kind of played out.
3: It was it was rushed and it was also like slow at the same time, which mm. is so weird to say, but it was like uh, um, okay. So here's the thing. So <laughs> book three just sort of, just sort of ends. Like it just sort of ends. And and that's sort of like, oh, and here we end because this is how long a novel takes. And that's it. I hope you enjoyed the experience. Like, wait, wait a minute. This isn't like Spaceship Earth at Epcot. Like, wait. I actually, I, I, I want a satisfying experience because I don't get to go on the next ride. Mm-hmm. You know, and and it was, it was that letdown. I, yeah, the climax is like sixty pages from the end, and you're like, okay, we've got three sets of characters in three different settings. Something is going to get shortchanged, and then he surprised me by shortchanging everything. Which I'm yeah. like, oh, well. it all kind of wrapped up way too fast. I'm like really? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it and it I think that it's because the first two books I think were very well paced. I, I mm-hmm. think they've they were well paced and they represented like okay, and here is an obvious break in the story for the story to end, and then we're going to start the next one, and then the third one it it started out like. It really felt like he was padding, like, oh, hey, I realize, oh, crap, there's not enough that's going to happen in this book to really make a book, but I've got a deal, and it's got to be this many pages, so get prepared for long descriptions and for Thrawn to take you know three times as long to explain why he knows something, even though we don't really know at the end of it, but hey, he just said he knows, so <laughs> Pelion just goes, All right and so, but then all of a sudden, he kind of realized, like, oh, crap. The ending is coming and then it sped up, which I'm like, well, wait a minute. We just spent half of the book treading water and now all of a sudden we got to speed up. Yeah. Like, I would have much rather if you'd gone back and maybe done another draft where you're like, hey, this climax can take a little bit longer, you know? But yeah, it's it. Uh, and, the, and the way that I kind of think about it is I either think Zahn kind of lost his way or he might have lost his nerve. I wonder if there's another way that he thought this book would end and kind of lost his nerve at a certain point. It was like, no, I gotta have it end this way because mm-hmm. it's Star Wars and you gotta leave him with hope and blah, 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 blah. I wonder if there's another idea in his head for this book where he was like, ah, no, I can't do it. I can't do it that way.
2: Yeah. Thrawn is too good to get rid
0: of.
3: Well, yeah, and I kind of wonder if maybe that wasn't the plan, is it? I mean, honestly, hmm, and here's the thing, if he really wanted to be bold, he would have killed Luke, really, and then and then Mara becomes the next Jedi. And I'm just trying to I'm trying to think of a way where this where he changes things at the end, and that kind of plays into how I feel about the ending of of uh, the Last Command. Is that it? Just sort of yeah, it's just like oh, and then we're done.
0: I I I was disappointed with and, and we talked about this earlier about the way Pelion kind of folds like a house of cards. when Thrawn Thrawn is is taken out. Oh no, I can't do this. I I actually kind of, I,
3: I look at that in terms of that might actually have been a little bit of the tutelage of Thrawn. Uh, combined with his experience at Endor, it like I be. had to, I, you know, the shame of like, I had to PTSD. You know, order the surrender. But at the same time, then he watches Thrawn back off a couple times when he knows the battle is lost. And at that point you're like, dude, the crazy ass Jedi is dead. Uh, the good guys are winning. And I just watched like the, the guy who seemed like it was our best hope for pulling this whole thing together, just get his throat slit by his best bodyguard I'm a little confused. Yeah. Sure, let's get yeah. the hell out of here. Yeah, because <laughs> and- yeah, he,
2: as this is happening, and as oh so Star Wars convenient it is, you know, Mount Tentis has fallen to the rebels. We've lost contact. They've taken it over there. and mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a knife blade, the tip of his protruding through his chest after Ruge just stabbed him oh, yeah. in the back, and so artfully done, et cetera, et cetera.
3: Yeah. yeah. Oh. I, I could see where Pelion would be like, you know what, uh, I'm calling it a day. I got to go – I got to get my head straight and figure out what the hell just happened. So I don't look at that as, as so much of a a grave mistake, I guess. I mean, the
2: you mentioned earlier about Throm being like a racist or a xenophobe or something like that. But yeah. if anything, I think Pelion was at one point because even though I don't think inherently his character is a racist – he definitely referred to the Noguri several times as saying we just sort of exterminated their entire race or just wiped Mm. off the face of this entire planet like we Mm. don't them like that's the only time I've really heard him speak derogatorily that's not a word but I'm using it against a race against a group of people and it's just very interesting that he would choose those. Whereas, like, I wish we just wiped this whole race out. And I was like, Whoa, whoa, whoa! He, he, well, Grandpa, come on.
3: <laughs> actually, I I look at that as as that's kind of Blackery the one part, brandy down. <laughs> I look at that as that's the one part of, kind of the empire, the old empire that Thron might, even though he was the victim of it in a in a weird sort of way, where you know that was that might have been the reason why he was sent out to wherever the hell he was sent to. I can't even remember right now, but, uh, by the empire, even though he was so good, you know, and, and that he, he kind of knows he's suffered for that, but it's also the one part of the empire that he's kind of taken on as well, because it seems like there was, you know, that thing in, in terms of like, Oh, uh, bounty hunters, like, Oh, they're a lower class. And Oh, smugglers, mm. they're a lower class. And, and that caste system that, that, that Jimmy had mentioned is, is like, that seems to be the one part that he's taken on and the irony of it being that like, that was also what held him, you know, sent him out into the, you know, into East bum in, in the galaxy sense. And, and he was a victim of that, but that's also something that is a flaw in him. It's like the part of the empire that has gotten into his personality, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me that Pelion felt that way, you know? Yeah cuz actually if you look at it like it, the the rebel alliance was always like all these different races and different shapes and different you know i mean they they've got akbar leading and they've got all these different you know uh, different alien creatures that are not all not all humanoid but when you look at the empire it's all humans i mean i don't remember ever seeing anyone who wasn't a a non-human part of the empire at least in the og trilogy now, of course, I think there's there's some after that, but I don't know. That's that's my kind of thought on it. I guess that's fair. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Tim? I don't know. <laughs> Tim, Tim's over there still trying to hammer together that PC. Like, how come it's
0: not working?
3: <laughs> start, damn you, start!
2: <laughs> I look at this. I look at this, and and you say that you know, could this trilogy have been written in 2020? I think, I think generally, yes. I think it could be written in 2020, as is right now, introducing all these characters, but it definitely would have been done a different way. And I don't know if we would have gotten the level of detail on some of these characters that we did when this was originally written back in 91.
0: Yeah.
3: Yeah. 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 I would agree. I would, I'd say it's a pretty fair assessment.
0: I think, yeah, I think the fact that it was written at a time when there had been really... And, and I don't know, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Jimmy with, with you know the comic book you know aspect of it, but I don't think there had been a whole lot of new content written at that point or that had come out at that point. Um, I think the 90s were kind of that time where you know, the books came out. Um, you started to see more uh, Star Wars video games. Um, there was just kind of this, you know, that generation that grew up with the movies is now 10 years older and i think there were you know clearly business opportunities were seen oh yeah um, hey, they, they're, they're so ten, they got money now yeah to they're, to they're make ten money. Years
2: older and they have money they make yeah. money i mean i can't tell you like just on the scruffy looking podcast just talking to kev and chris and Ed, like just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds which turns into thousands over time dollars they sink into these collectibles and toys and mm-hmm. posters mm-hmm. and listen that's your thing God bless you. That is your thing. That is not my thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like to take my toys out of the box and play with them.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I'm that right there. Nice. Nice. And we don't hold that against you. Yeah. No. Right. Not at all. I, I think another... Okay. So actually, this ties into kind of Tim's last thing that he really liked, and I'm, I'm now going to attack that vehemently. Oh, please. Uh, but I, I love the idea of the Katana fleet. I thought it was awesome but you spent all that time building it up all that time like the fate of the universe hinges on this on who possesses this fleet and then in book three it basically becomes a footnote because it's it's barely mentioned like oh the empire has the bulk of the katana fleet and then they don't do anything with it nothing Nothing, because they're still growing clones, and I'm like, okay, yeah. I understand that that that's the yeah. that's kind of the purpose of getting the clones, and I understand all that, but at least it could have been like a partial part of the Katana fleet that has something to do with the end of the movie, instead of like there, it's just non-existent. It's a non-existent part of the story. Like, oh, hey, by the way, you spent all that time invested in, in that. Yeah, no, that doesn't mean anything now. That kind of sucked, because I'm like, well, wait a minute, we spent all that time talking about this and, and worrying about it, and then it's like, yeah, no, that doesn't affect anything.
0: But I do believe, if, if I may swoop in and defend for a moment. Go right ahead. I do believe, it. it I, I'll correct me if I'm wrong, I could be wrong, and therefore the swooping is about to be a crash and burn, but... Um, <laughs> I believe the Katana, one of the Katana fleet, were they not involved in the uh, turbo laser hijinks that um, Thrawn pulls Uh, off as he tries to come up with the shield-piercing gun? (laughs) That is not real.
3: No, that was a that was a regular star destroyer. Was that a star destroyer? Okay, actually, a star destroyer.
0: All right, I I crashed and burned on the uh, on the shield. Never mind.
3: So that's the thing. Like you got these cool dreadnought things that sound like they're badass, and.
0: And, and I mean, the you're, is, like, you're, I guess, you're, absolutely right though. You, you are, like you, I mean, they, they are not mentioned in the third book very much and yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it was this yeah. looming thing that they were going after and then once possessed, it just seemed to not really carry the, the, the value or weight that it once did. Yeah. I mean,
3: and it seems like even though the, 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 the new Republic only gets like what, 15 of the, of the dreadnoughts. Well, the Empire didn't use any of theirs. So, I mean, for crying out loud, as long as you can crew 15. Hell, if you can crew five of them! If they're as badass as you say they are, that ought to have turned the tide in any of the battles that were happening at the end. Yeah, I mean, wouldn't it? Did, it, did they just get all those and like, all right, just park them over there! You know, and that's yeah. it.
2: Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's a great point. Like, you have the whole the whole operation, I think, hinged on that final battle with Thrawn when he Thrawn expired and was killed by Rook. I think you really would have seen just everything boom, 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 sequentially follow, like battle after battle after battle per, the, quote, quote, the plan inside of Thrawn's head that everyone's mm. along for the ride for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's when it would have happened because they they built up the Katana fleet or the importance of it was just bolstering the entire fleet because it was, from what I understood, it, to be like a heavy cruiser, like it wasn't a one-on-one match to a Star Destroyer but it's mm-hmm. definitely like like just a heavy thick like tank of a ship you know just just
3: like yeah. rugged and could just bust through a lot of stuff yeah, yeah. which again it 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 would have had Again, if if two hundred some odd of these ships would turn the tide, which is kind of how it was proposed in the first two books, like oh my gosh, whoever ends up with these ships, because everybody's trying to buy ships. Right. The New Republic is willing to to like make deals with the smugglers, and you know the the Empire is offering. They were offering up like a bounty on ships, weren't they? Like new. Oh yeah, just trying ship. to get anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and so this whole, like, oh, my gosh, here's these 200-some-odd ships who are out there, and this is the balance of the power in the galaxy, and then you get them, and it's like, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, gee, I'm glad I read through those two books. The way to make me feel stupid for investing all this yeah, time. Yeah,
2: they kind of they wrote off the Katana fleet pretty
3: early on in Last Command. I wasn't really too happy about that either. I'm with you there. It's like watching WCW wrestling. <gasps> Oh that thing that you you thought you were investing in? Yeah, screw you cuz we hate you.
0: It's 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 kind of indirect success, right? I mean m- most of the la- or, or the first quarter of last command was was the empire kind of rolling over all these systems now. Mm-hmm. Um, but but to your point, you you know, they're rolling over the systems and it's kind of relied upon the reader to just know that they just have this massive fleet and they're just running over everyone. It's not really but they- mentioned, it's not really you know kind of pointed out in any significant way
3: but they're not really rolling they're rolling over them um, through trickery which i which honestly awesome trickery like that is a that is a fantastic use of cloaking of 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 Sabaoth, of Throns like just tactical thinking like all of that came together with that idea of like oh my gosh they have a super weapon then go through the go through the shield i was like dude that's freaking brilliant mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love all that because it brings together all three of the things that you've been talking about. Like that was Zahn right. at his best where he's like actually tying things together. Mm. It felt like, again, one of the things where I feel like he either lost his way or lost his nerve was he didn't know what the hell to do with a Katana fleet once he got to book three. He's like, oh, yeah. And then they just had him and, and just was like, yeah, that thing, they got him. Great. Perfect. Woohoo. Isn't that great? Wasn't that cool? Wasn't it fun to like follow that whole thread? Yeah, that thread leads nowhere. It's like because it it turns out you know the New Republic did eventually win, so right number of yeah did not help the Empire remnant at that point. So it was kind of discouraging just to have just to go through all that time invested, and then it's nothing. Which I, I feel like, again, it's like, it, it's like he just didn't know what to do with it. So he's like,
0: all right, and
3: that's done. Yeah,
0: And now we'll move on to the next thing, you know? Yeah. Almost uh, pretty much how the dreadnoughts turned out in Last Jedi.
3: <laughs> it, <laughs> pretty yeah. useless.
0: Yeah. Well, again, because- I you, was so disappointed just... with that. <laughs> that that, well, that was one actually, thing I was disappointed uh, with, but anyways.
3: Were those actually dreadnoughts or they were just Star Destroyers with- No, with, they uh... they
0: identified it as a dreadnought. Yeah, that, that that's I, well, I one of the, the reasons first... why Poe wanted so badly to take it out because it was it was supposedly <gasps> oh, a huge oh, strategic oh, advantage yeah. for them to take it out.
3: Yeah. Okay, I was thinking of I was thinking of the the uh, the star destroyers at the end that had the Death Star. No, you know, no, razor no, no, no those, okay. those
0: weren't the um, dreadnoughts. No. Okay, those
3: gotcha. It's
2: called Sith destroyers, I think.
3: Ah, uh, yes, and and they're and they're such fleet killers that you know it took like. Fifteen minutes for them to recharge the main weapon that could be the fleet killer. Like, okay, know, yeah, right? uh, so convenient. Anyways, all right. Am I am I the only person who's still going on stuff they didn't like? Am I? Well, I I'm, I mistakenly mixed in my stuff I liked and didn't like
2: throughout my explanations of how I liked it. So,
3: <laughs> well, yeah, but you're our guest, so we we yeah, you do whatever the hell you want. That's right. You know.
2: Community pools. <laughs>
3: You just kind of <laughs> deftly
0: wove it in there. I've
2: spent too long on the deep end of this community pool I got from uh <laughs> and Hunt Alpine. Tasty, delicious. Highly recommend it. Nice. Ah. Serves two, I think not.
3: <laughs> <laughs> it's like when you get a pint of ice cream like Ben & Jerry's or whatever where you're like, and they're like, serving size three. You're like, oh, that's adorable. No, it isn't. <laughs> no. That's <just laughs> cute. I don't, need a, I don't need a bowl. I just need a spoon and just leave me alone with my shame. Um, <laughs> another thing I kind of, I didn't really like with what Zahn did uh, in these books is uh, lightsabers went from being like the coolest weapon ever when I was a kid, when I first saw these. I'm like, oh that's awesome to basically becoming an interstellar multi-tool that was it was basically like his get out of uh, jail free card if he needed something to happen Zahn was just like oh Luke or Leia would just start hacking away at something with a lightsaber and make it happen and it was so disappointing and it it also made me realize how hard it is to like write a sword fight in in a book instead of it being like visual on the screen because a sword fight is not all that I don't know. I mean, I I guess I've never read many pirate novels or something, but uh, it seems like a sword fight is kind of boring in book form. And it showed its weakness here. So it was always like, oh, and then Luke needed to do this thing. Oh, I'm going to cut a hole in this door. You know, I'm almost all the way through now. I was like, okay, that's fantastic. Like, can you also open up a bottle or something with it? That'd be great. Mm. So that was kind of a disappointment
0: was it last command where Luke used his lightsaber to kind of navigate down a wall of a city or something like that
3: that was actually the coolest thing other that than that last command yeah yeah he, he was kind that of like, was cool
0: yeah just like gliding down something <laughs> well, it, was like a,
3: that. it was a who was who is the who, was the, who was the guy who played in all the pirate movies Errol Flynn and he did like the 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 knife into the sail and it was, yeah and that's like yeah. he is the same sort of thing that was cool everything else was kind of lame I okay. thought that was the one thing, but yes, thank you for reminding me of that because that was actually a cool moment. Where as I was reading it, I'm like, I was nodding and, and like smiling, like, yeah, that's kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. All right, so the, here's the other and thing. And You love uh, that name, Luke, right? Oh, Luke. I'm, I'll get to that. <laughs> so the other thing was the how do you say the little creatures, the little force critters? It's no, oh, the force solemnary? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, after we spend all the time with a buildup of that and how Thrawn is using them to control uh, Saboth because they create these dead spots in the Force and all that hand wringing about, you know, Luke, oh, I'm out of touch with the Force. Saboth just like manages to dispose an entire mountain full of the critters totally off, like, page by the thinnest of plot devices. And everyone's just supposed to be okay with this. Like, oh, by the Mm -hmm. way, there's thousands of them here. And they're gone. Ha-ha! Look at me. Like, yeah. w- w- time out. <laughs> when did that happen? And and uh, and actually, tying in with that very closely, the whole general covel thing, uh, I mean, he might as well just been, like, general deus ex machina, because it's essentially like, hey, let me just set up everything in this one dude, and it's like, everything is off page, like... Oh, I've got control of this dude, so we're going to go to Wayland and the Mount Tantis thing, and oh, by the way, he's going to order all these troops to go off and do this and hand out weapons to the natives, and he's going to start this whole civil war thing, and then they're going to neutralize all the critters. And, and then all of a sudden, oh yeah, and by the way, he did. So everything ties up nice and neat, and we don't actually have to go into the fact that none of it makes a bit of friggin' sense. Or a bit of difference. Yeah. Well, what makes a difference because now all of a sudden Saboth has his force powers and Luke has his force powers and Mara has her force right. powers and all that. But, but I, I mean, the thing is, like, you don't actually get a decent explanation of, like, well, why would – I mean, again, I know that, you know, Covel's giving his troops orders. But at some point, no one goes like, hey, are we really supposed to be arming these yahoos out here? Like, is this a good idea? Yeah, are, are, yeah, yeah. You know, and again, like it goes back to no. Jimmy Dice saying, you know, like Thrawn is like, Oh, by the way, take all these troops and go to Wayland and by the way, influence them however you want. Like he didn't give one of them a little like backpacks to covel. Like, seriously? That didn't that didn't ever occur to him that, oh, by the way, the, the, the crazy ass oh. Jedi clone master is gonna try and influence like the general. That never occurred to him. Yeah, that was I mean,
2: that was one of my thrawn's big mistakes you know handing over all these imperial ground forces to sabath and wayland or mount tantus knowing that he'd probably just coercely take over them like he did the bridge crew on that star destroyer at one point yeah swap everybody out because all of a sudden they just like went all into like zombie mode
3: yeah
0: Raccoon,
2: Uh, raccoon city style
0: yeah
3: yeah Oh man, and 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 then uh, so and this ties into another, you know, and I and I do I am glad that that Jimmy Dice has brought up how how he's a little frustrated with with Thrawn's kind of like it's it's just Thrawn's train it's it's Thrawn's world we're all just a squirrel looking for a nut sort of thing is that when when there there's no confusion for him ever ever like he hears Covel's dead and he's like I know exactly what has happened like how world do you know what happened like i just want pelion to grab him by the lapels and be like
0: "Ow! tell us something
3: like i want actually if this had been a movie at the time it would have been perfect to have sam kinnison playing pelion that would have
0: been awesome say it it! oh Um, my gosh
3: but he just knows what happened. No explanation. He just knows, and then he also knows where the rebels are going to be, and then how this happens, and all that. And 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 again, we've built up Thrawn to be like this incredible tactician, like he knows everything is going to happen. He knows everything is going to go. Blah, blah blah. And then at the end, he gets jobbed out, like freaking Barry Horowitz. <laughs> sitting in his freaking chair in the cheapest way possible get a get a freaking knife through his chest he's like it's so artful no it's dumb like you saw like again watching watching the oceans movies like oceans 12 when Ruben uh, played by uh, oh my gosh Elliot Gould mm-hmm. and right. he's sitting there and he's at the palm reader and then the all the then like uh, Terry Bennett and the heavies walking is like this this you didn't see <laughs> like it's the same freaking thing <laughs> Actually, you know what? I want a cut of the Thrawn movie with Elliot Gould playing Thrawn. <laughs> that would have been. <laughs> I don't know why oh. I want that now, but I really want that. Either that, or... actually, no, Andy Garcia would have been a much better mm. Thrawn. But anyway, uh, but so, so that was really annoying to me because it was like you build this guy up so much, and and even like in, in every little thing, and then that's just the way he's out. And I get it, like the hubris thing and this and that and the other, but it's like, really? And that's it? In such a, like a nice little neat package, like, oh, well, yeah, we got to end, so here it goes. I don't know. That kind of ticked me off, if you didn't notice.
0: I hear you, but I I don't know, to, to give an alternative perspective, I, I kind of liked I, I, liked how that played out because I felt it played to the hubris side of like what we talked about earlier of Thrawn. Mm-hmm. You know, that his, he, he clearly expected the Nagri to be under his heel and to be subservient to him. And, you know, like, like you pointed out, I mean, he, he seems to know or be omniscient about everything, and here's something that he clearly was completely out of tune with because he he must have felt that it was in the bag. You know what I mean? So I kind of liked the fact that Rook took him out Mm-hmm. um i think it was dulled by the fact as we discussed just a little bit ago that when you had three narrative streams going and not a whole lot of pages left to kind of close them out it just it it, it just felt very abrupt you know what i mean and, and 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 that part i totally get it it did feel abrupt but overall i i liked i like the fact that that the no agree kind of got their vengeance in a very indirect way you know by by, by well, kind of taking out the empire's top guy yeah without anyone well, me, really understanding who did it and how it happened you know what i mean
3: well let me ask you this question because here's the thing i think that the and maybe this is more the problem i think the death of both of the top yeah bad guys was just so thin mm. like i and and i think that you could have gotten away with, de- with Thrawn with Thron getting killed the way he was if the death of Se- uh uh I I just completely Sibbath. lost how to pronounce Sabbath. Sabbath, Jarus, Jarus. Jarus, Jarus. Uh, Jarus. <laughs> <laughs> they're not saying boo, they're saying Bruce. Um so they're saying bu- boo earns. <laughs> yeah.
0: It,
3: it, but they both seemed like they just kind of came out of nowhere and didn't yeah. really have that much weight to them. Mm-hmm. Like it was way too easy for both of them. I could have accepted Thrawn if if Sibath's death had been a little bit Better, Or I could have accepted vice versa, but, but to have them both be like, really just felt like jobbed out. Like it's, it's like you're watching to go to wrestling. If you're watching like the main event at WrestleMania and all of a sudden you end with like a quick roll up Mm -hmm. out of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And that's how the match ends. Like, no, that's not satisfying whatsoever. Right. Right you know and especially like by someone who's been getting their ass kicked for like 10 minutes straight and all of a sudden oh one, two, three, hey we're done right yeah. mm. agreed. really agreed yeah you know like and, and that was the, that was the other thing like sabath's death is so unremarkable like i actually had to go back and double check how like how he died yeah
2: i mean mara killed him
3: yeah and- which is a, another example of like freaking luke doesn't even get to kill him like again, he's some Jeroni he sitting over in the corner. Ladies first. Has,
2: I don't think he has to, though. I think it turns more into Mara's journey. Like this is these are the new characters that that Timothy is bringing here, and it's almost as if you know that the book is named after the last command. Her last yeah. command she received from the emperor. The last command being Thrawn, the last commander of the empire. Which I I get,
3: but at least. And the thing is, like, uh, because you're still talking about Luke's journey in some way, shape, or form, and he was such a bit player at the end. Like, I get, like, okay, Mara kills Luke, you know, the, the clone Luke. Okay, great. That's perfect. Maybe, like, some way for her and Luke to finish off Sabath to get together mm-hmm. yeah. or something yeah. or put Luke in a different place so that Mara can take out the, the Jedi Master or maybe, maybe Mara takes out... Thrawn or something. Something where you actually have like Luke involved instead of sitting over there going, "What's happening? Can,
0: can I go to Toshi station now?" <laughs> like like good lord. What happened? I mean,
3: something, something. We just we spent 3 movies like thinking this guy is like the coolest thing in the hope of the galaxy and at the end he's some putt sitting over in the corner like getting pelted by rocks and the lady's like you know what i got this yeah and again she's better at everything yeah right and and he's just and he's over there like like some jabroni getting his tail kicked in and mara's like you know what (laughs) let me take care of this for you you dummy and like like at least give luke some kind of a part aside from getting his butt kicked that would have been nice at the end and it could have actually made one of those deaths a little more have a little more weight to them. Like, okay, mm. I buy the whole thing with Rook taking out Thrawn. Something has to happen with Sabath to make it more significant or at least a little bit more, like, yeah, realistic or something. Yeah. Good Lord. Are you looking it's, for more, like, Star Wars exciting,
2: and this one doesn't give it to you?
0: Not really, no. I mean, to to to, to the point we've been discussing, though, uh, not a little bit earlier, um it it does seem like all of the original characters are kind of on autopilot through these three, uh, uh, through these three books, not not so much in terms of, um, you know, that they're not interesting, but but there there really isn't any development with any of them. You know what I mean? Like well, Han, le- there's no development to Han. Han is doing what Han no. does, right? L- Lando's well, doing what Lando they're... does. Chewbacca's protecting Leia.
3: I would say there's a slight development with Han, although there's way too much inner freaking monologue with him where it's like you 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 every five seconds you're hearing about the inner turmoil between who he was and who he is now, like oh, oh f- crying out yeah. loud. Yeah. There's a there's a but but, a, but, but, yes, but I'm I saying agree. is
0: there there's not really a journey for them across the three books. You know what I mean? Like like they're they're trying I mean, their journey is essentially we're trying to keep the new republic whole. You know, they're they're well, trying to serve the new republic and keep it as a functioning entity while the empire is kind of tearing them up in, in across yep. the first two books. Yep. And could I
3: throw one out? Huh? Could I throw one out that I think might, I that I sure I think Leia. However, I think again, I well, think, yeah. I think Zahn got to a point and he didn't know what the hell to do with her because mm. in, when she's like on a, i I'm not even going to try and pronounce the yeah, Wookiee right. planet oh. name. Kashuk. Kashik. 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 Kaşik, how sorry. how how jaunty actually for a bunch of like walking carpets? Uh, for, for, <laughs> where do you live? Jeez. It's almost it, it's almost like if you had a Swedish accent. Where do you live? I live in Kashyyyk. Um, it would sound awesome. Um, that was the worst Swedish accent ever. Oh, by the sure, way, okay. Sh- okay. Um, <laughs> I just had the Swedish chef going through my head, and I won't do that <laughs> right now. Me to Um, but it seemed like there was a bit more of depth to her character. Like you kind of got, I I felt like I knew much more about who who Leia was through the first two books. And then it kind of got to a point where Zahn was like, I don't really know where to go with this. And then she kind of just then coasted towards the end of the book, towards the end of the trilogy. That was the one like OG character where I felt like there was some development. Mm. And actually the second place to that would probably be Lando. I felt like I really? got I got to know I felt like I got to know him a little bit more just because. Well, he just he, felt bad for more businesses he lost thanks to Han. Yeah, yeah, I Han. I love. <laughs> the funny thing is, like every so I actually after reading the fact that that uh, that Billy D had mispronounced that and no one bothered to tell him in Empire every time that Lando would say Han, I would read it as Han, and then everyone else who was saying it, I read it as Han. Oh, great. That's That's how deep like the trivia is in my frickin head, you know, (laughs) but I actually felt like I I got a little bit more. I mean, not much, but Mm -hmm. granted, none of those characters progressed at all, like you said. So if I had to pick one that actually I felt a little more development, I felt like I knew a little bit more about Lando, but not much. Yeah, Fair Yeah. Um, fair enough. I don't know. But yeah, it, it really was about the new characters. Um, yeah. But even then, I felt like, damn, it could have just been done a little better. I mean, I, I something honestly, more as, as much as I
0: said, I like the way they did Thrawn's death. I kind of, and, and I mean, the, the story would have had to end in a much different way than it did. But I, I would have liked it if he had survived, you know, like, like somehow have it be a defeat yeah. for him. But he lives to fight another day. And there's like another set of books that <laughs> Zahn could have done, you know, kind of around that. You know, extending mm. out, you know his his kind of reign. Because I don't know that it he, you know the the way these books kind of play out. I don't know that he had to die. You know what I mean? He 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 had to die in the sense that it was. There's no know,
2: way they gonna him.
0: Right. Oh yeah. Right. The, yeah. the the empire was a house of cards, and and when you know you you cut the head off the serpent, I'm just I'm jumping from one metaphor to another here, but
1: right, right, right.
0: but once Mix you you know all. take the head off, right? I mean the rest of it falls apart, and and you know and that, then the chickens clear. come home to roost, that's and then and <laughs> <laughs> uh, don't put all your eggs okay. in one basket. So anyway. Exactly. <laughs>
3: And then don't take that basket and trade it for some magic beans. All right, I, think and, I, got, you know, I
0: think I have Metaphor Yahtzee for tonight, so thank you. <laughs> oh my but, gosh. But. Uh, no,
3: I, 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 I agree. I agree. Yeah. I Actually, I would, but I think that part of that is the fact that, uh, do, I mean, do you think that Zahn really understood how popular of a character Thrawn was going to be? I mean, w- when these books first came out. Was there like this big groundswell, of like "Oh my gosh, Thrawn is the greatest thing"? Or has that gained some speed over the past, you know, over the the interim years?
0: I think it's gained speed, uh, Jimmy Dice.
3: I mean, I think Thrawn as just a. Are you saying if Thrawn never was, if Thrawn was never written in? Well, no. I just i I think that part of the reason why Zahn killed him is he's like, okay, another bad guy dead. And and I'll just I'll come back oh, to what one. you're saying. Like, and wait, not understanding like how people would realize would kind of attach to mm, Throng. I mean also that's the best thing about it.
2: Like you, you don't it's almost good that he cancelled them out because now he doesn't have to worry about what's he gonna do with them now. You know what I mean? Like he yeah. had his arc. Mm-hmm. But now he can write more stories about filling in bits of that arc, knowing that there's a start and a finish to it. He can add in stuff in between. Uh and mm. there is a certain, you know, teaser teaser with cloning and things like that, uh, Spectre of the Past, Vision of the Fu- Future, Hand of Thrawn Duology, but Timothy Zahn that came out several years later after Air Air to the Empire trilogy. Still legends, but a really fun read. You know, we're not done with Thrawn yet. There are things that are just left unanswered and then new canon came along uh he's featured prominently rebel starting at the end of season th- or season four beginning of season th- or four through the end and it ends very mysteriously with him and ezra flying off with space whales off into the unknown regions who god knows where so it'll be cool to see him come back i i i, I think he had to kill him just mm-hmm. clue the trilogy again he was just just way too powerful could not be stopped
0: yeah yeah mm. yeah and that's true, I mean, right yeah, they, they've, they've, or not they, he, Zahn, has written books that have now kind of filled in the origin story, you know, uh, or, or at least, you know, some of those early aspects of his life, which I think fan like, that's the sort of stuff fans geek out about, you know, I mean, mm. it, I, to your point, Todd, I mean, I don't know that when he wrote him, he knew how popular he was going to be, you know, I mean, this, this, I think the popularity of these books kind of took on a life of its own. Nothing yeah. I think anyone could have predicted. And, you know, now, yeah, you, you kind of have all these gaps that you can then kind of fill in um, mm-hmm. to, to kind of supply, you know, that that need to kind of get your, your Thrawn, Jones and Fix sort of thing. <laughs> mm-hmm.
3: To get your Thrawn on?
0: Get your Thrawn on. Pretty much.
3: It is kind of difficult to, to put yourself back in that place of like the, you know, early mid-90s when these books are coming out. And we don't have a prequel trilogy. We don't have a post trilogy. We don't have, you know, The Mandalorian. We don't have, you know, Disney buying Star Wars and saying, like, we want a Star Wars movie every year. And you don't have, you know, Star Wars stories. You don't have Rogue One. You don't have Solo. And it is kind of, at least for me, it's kind of tough to go back and go, okay, where would your mind be at? And I would think at this point, like, Zahn is just like, I'm happy you're writing a Star Wars book. You know, I'd... You know, I didn't think this, you know, this would happen. Same as like a lot Mm -hmm. of the people who worked on the prequel trilogies. Like, I didn't think I would ever work on a Star Wars movie. Like, I always dreamed about it as a kid because that's what I grew up watching. And now all of a sudden, holy crap, I'm working on a Star Wars movie, you know? Yeah, that's hurt. Absolutely. So now that we've kind of. Headed in that direction. Now, here's the thing, because I think a lot of Star Wars, at least when I've posted about reading the books, uh, there was a, a few comments about how, oh, they should have used these books as the basis for the post-school trilogy, or they should have done they should have done these stories or that story, or they should have done this. Do you feel like these should have been made into movies?
0: It's hard for me to say. I I, I want to believe they could be good as as a trilogy of movies. However, there's you know, there there's not um, in across these three books, there there isn't that kind of, you know, life and death battle for the you know the fate of the universe sort of you know stakes with it. It's it's really a kind of a more contained story around, you know, this remnant of the Empire trying to reestablish the dominance of the Empire, and and I don't know if it would translate well to the big screen, but I wonder if it would, you know, having seen what you know what Filoni and Favreau have done with Mandalorian. I wonder if this sort of thing would be told in a better way through a TV sort of format. You know what I mean? Yeah, I could see that. I'm not saying the movies have to always have the, those sorts of life and death stakes, but it seems like that's what they're always kind of gunning for with the movies, is to have those, those super high stakes. And, you know, I kind of... Um, I know Solo is a favorite of of, of Jimmy Dice. Um, yeah. But... <laughs> That one is, you know, that that kind of, that movie kind of shows just the, I think, the reception of of, of how, how you would tell a story like that where, where there isn't, I mean, Solo wasn't a movie about life or death stakes. You know what I mean? It's 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 the origin of Han Solo.
2: It wasn't exciting because he never for a moment thought he was going to die. Exactly. So where's
0: oh, yeah. the edge of your
2: seat that you're going to be gripping onto the whole time wondering if your favorite character is going to die? You'd know they're not.
3: Right. Well, tell that to Tandy Newton.
2: She had it coming. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Damn! Alrighty then. Oh. You think I'm scared of death? I've done it a million times. That's that's kind of rough as a Westworld fan. I gotta say. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just- I, I've got but, a soft but, spot but, for but Maeve. D- but you
0: know what I mean by that? You know, the, like what I'm saying. Yeah. With, with it, it's. I, it's Although it's not I would, that I don't I would, think they could be good as a movie. I I just given given the scale that Star Wars always seems to operate at at the movie level, I just don't know if they would translate.
3: I think this actually was a fate of the 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 galaxy thing though, because you really have this rising threat against the the new rebel, the new rebel, the new republic, mm-hmm. with the empire resurging, and I think it's 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 just as much of a you know. Galaxy is at stake as you have in episode seven. Really, yeah. Yeah. It would have been too morally, it would have been
2: too morally advanced for people to understand if this was written that way during the early '90s, because you would have had a lot of people empathizing with the Empire, being like, "Thrawn wasn't that bad. He's just trying to help. You know, like he's he's just trying to bring order to the galaxy through cruel and inhumane means, but." (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he's not nearly as bad as Vader and the Emperor, so why not give this guy a shot? If he's just promising to maintain order, don't steal, don't break the law, you don't have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, I think it would, it would I, have
2: too much of that. Of a um, too much of that conversation would happen, and it would just get too boring.
0: Yeah,
3: I think I think the the major flaw in doing these as movies would be that I think in the in the '90s, number one. I think if you could do them then, then yeah. I, if if I had to choose, like in the nineties, like, hey, do you want the Thrawn trilogy or do you want the prequel trilogy? Uh, give me the Thrawn trilogy every day and three times on Sunday because, damn it, I don't want any Jar Jar Binks and I don't need to deal with like trade blockades. You know, invasion. Uh, I don't. I don't need that in my life. If I can, if I can have Thrawn. You know, I mean, but if you give me the choice, but I mean, at the end of the day, well, if you give me some Star Wars movies, all right, fine. I guess I'll deal with this stuff. But the thing is, I, I wonder now if, because there's even people who said like, oh, instead of seven through nine, I would have rather had the Thrawn trilogy. Like, I, the the problem there is that you're, you're then going to retcon something because you can't have Luke, Leia and Han and all them in there because now they're wicked old. And yeah. it, that's just not how things work. And if you do that, you're just, you're still going to piss off a lot of star Wars fans. Right. Yeah, and, and right. yeah. yeah, cause they're like, Oh, well this is the Thrawn trilogy that I knew. Well, no kidding. Cause you know, reality and you know,
2: sorry. Everybody's, everybody's a critic and like everyone's going to be judgmental cause they think their idea is the best. That's yeah. all right. yeah. So you're never going to have consensus about anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I, I, I do wonder if though there are elements that could have been brought in, to the post you know, uh, trilogy that I think maybe so, could have but... directed things a little bit differently. I think if you dispense of Hux and you you know, I like I don't know how if Thrawn would have played as a character thirty years after the fact, but it, it just I mean that would kind of throw things off given what they've done in Rebels and so forth. But, yeah, they kind of well, conveniently
2: wrote him out of Rebels, so that's best, yeah. best just to leave it that way and yeah. have it be remain undiscovered until they have a special spin off of either another uh, season of Rebels or they go live action with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
3: Well the thing is we don't really get a whole lot of details about what Thrawn's uh you know, what his species he is and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and how what the lifespan of that species is. I mean, we know that Wookiees have a long lifespan. I mean what they live like something like two hundred some odd years old or something. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean you don't know I mean that 30 years might not be the same as 30 years for a human so you right. can use that. Yeah. The problem is I think if you if you put if you just if you do a one for one replacement of Hux with Thrawn it doesn't work cuz I can't see Thrawn working for Kylo Ren.
0: No, I uh, well that, that that's a domino that once you tip that domino a lot of other dominoes yeah. fall. And yeah, and, so that, and you're you're radically changing the story. Um, Yeah. I'm not saying you couldn't have done something with Kylo and Thrawn, but you'd have to change kind of the spirit of the story and and where it was going. Um, Yeah. I would also prefer rather than, you know, star killer based that they just kind of jumped right to what they did with those star destroyers and rise of Skywalker. And just, you know, I mean, how, how nasty would it be for this first order to just all of a sudden show up with this crazy fleet of ships that have essentially the death star gun, You know, hooked up to them. I know, right? You know what I mean? Like that would have been a completely different take on a similar weapon. You know what I mean?
3: Yep. Well, well, the problem there is that you already they already have that gun in a tank in episode what eight? Old Death Star tech. It's it's Death Star tech. It's Death Star tech again. Because we're just going to wave everything. Well, it's space magic. Well, it's Death Star tech. Okay, fine, whatever. (laughs) You know, but it
0: they already kind of had that and. I, I don't know it. I mean, you get into a yeah. lot of fantasy booking with this, and 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 you have to change a lot of different things. But
3: yeah, I think if you, if you put if you put Thrawn in this, you're you're not dealing with Kylo, you're mm-hmm. not dealing with you're. It's so different. It's it's a different world entirely. Right. Yeah. Although I mean, I I gotta say, I wouldn't have minded seeing some of that world, honestly, and I I still wouldn't mind seeing it. Like all of a sudden, if you know, uh, episode what are we on now? Ten. Mm-hmm. Was like, you know, guess who's back? Right, was, okay, right. I'm <laughs> plugging
0: down money for that. <laughs> yeah. Sure, I do you think know. it'd be kind of a cool like sub story to have that that whole Nagri you know arc play out across three movies. Um, I, I don't know if it would have worked in the in the the trilogy, but hmm. um, we'll cool
2: see for sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, not it, clearly, it's not a main driving story, but but it 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 plays as a nice thread through the whole thing that has ramifications on kind of the larger scale action that's going on. And right, you know, as we, right. as we talked about with, with, you know, Thrawn getting taken out by Rook and so forth. Well, And, and, and it wasn't even just that, it was just seeing the, the influx of Nogri who are helping, you know, the, the new Republic in the third book, you know, much in a lot of ways, they're almost kind of like the Ewok substitute in, in, in some way, you know, I mean, they're, they're, they're yep. kind of this race that's jumping in and helping them, where they were yeah. kind of you know n- you know either non-existent or the enemy before.
3: Yeah, but does make the, does make everyone else seem really incompetent because it's like oh well we'll just clear the way for you we'll take up <laughs> we'll take care of all the bad things. Yes. yes. You start realizing like oh wow these guys are really just they they have no idea yeah. they have no idea you know
0: yeah yeah oh so yeah it's it's kind of a mixed bag I mean but but I. I that's why I think the TV format, I, I would be curious how it would play out. Like if you didn't treat it as a movie trilogy, but rather as, you know, several seasons of a, of a you know, of, of a TV series. And I was reading some rumors this past week that they're, they're thinking of doing some kind of spinoff with Thrawn. But I mean, they're talking about a lot of different things right now. And yeah. who knows how much of it comes they to. They don't film. know how
2: to fi- like finish it animated or finish it
3: animated and go live action, like segue it. Who knows? Yeah. 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 That is that is the trouble when you have a character, and I think it's part of the, I think it's one of the reasons why Star Wars has had such a hard time, in any of the in any incarnations besides that original trilogy, is because you came up with one of the badass villains of all time in Darth Vader. How do you match up to that, and then how do you do anything to offset that? Yeah, and and Thrawn becomes one of those characters. Like, okay, he is clearly smarter than everybody better than everybody what do you do with that he's guy different. yeah stab you him know in the back <laughs> well yes you you stab him in the back out of nowhere and go see he's dead now like what really that's okay that's what we're doing now yep. awesome ridiculous yeah kind of so uh i think that we're about ready to move on to another thing do you either of you gentlemen have anything else you'd like to add to the to the discussion or or my list of grievances apparently.
2: (laughs) No, man, that was good. I mean, it's great. It's if you could be here for two hours, three hours or 10 hours talking about the different subplots and everything in these books. And that's just, Mm. it's just a great example of, you know, just really good writing that keeps people in.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think, you know, for, you know, like any good piece of art, I mean, it's not going to be perfect. And, you know, there are definitely, some flaws with it, but um, but it's it's a fun trilogy of books to read to kind of get a different flavor of not only a, a different kind of an enemy you know for for the the characters we've kind of grown up to know and love, but just you know just a different story. And it's and you know with, without there being a Death Star and without there being you know some sort of planetary mass that's going to take out other planetary masses. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just it's it, it's a nice alternative, and I and I think you know for someone like Zahn who, you know, kind of started out with these books and and really you know kind of bore uh, a big bur- I don't want to say a burden, but you know there was sure. a lot riding on him, you know, creating new content like this, and and I I think you know he he knocked it out of the park
2: for sure, man, totally.
0: And another
3: thing. So so Tim, what do you got for and another thing this week?
0: Mine's a little different. Uh, normally, we do something uh, in in the entertainment space—book, uh, movie, TV—you know, music, something like that. Uh, I'm going to go a little simple and 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 just uh, just 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 kind of put out there the the, the air fryer, baby. Um, we we did some air frying over. <laughs> no the particular
3: week. brand, just the air fryer. We have in the
0: Instant Vortex. If if you want me to get into shill mode here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but basically. No, we, we, we made some, uh, some, some football food, you know, for dinner tonight and and we've been using it and made some flank steak, uh, you know, a week or two ago. Um, I mean, just super easy. And it was just, uh, yeah, just kind of a different way to cook up some meats and and some, some other good, good foods. So, uh, check it out, you know, during, during quarantine time or during this time where we're kind of homebound a bit more than we normally have, it's, uh, just a, an alternative for, for making some good food and, uh, my my wife's found a, a a nice cookbook of some you know some healthy meals um, that that are actually uh, you know so you know a little bit snacky food but but healthy for you sort of thing so so cool. anyways a nice. little something there
3: nice well mine is uh the oceans movies which I alluded to <laughs> earlier and 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 when I say the oceans movies I mean eleven twelve and thirteen we're going to just pretend that eight never happened. Oh, and it's not because I've seen the movie. I just w- saw the preview for it, and I'm like, yeah, I don't ever need to see that movie. So my my daughter just recently turned 13, and so I was like, all right, so PG-13 movies are now on deck. Uh, and it, it made me, going through and watching these with her was, you know, and we watched them as a family, which was kind of cool because they are, they are actually... I mean, there's a couple little spots that you might want to fast forward through, but otherwise, they're they are pretty clean. They're pretty they're pretty good for family viewing, uh, depending on what your tolerance for for stuff is. But man, just the the timing between George Clooney and Brad Pitt through all of these oh, movies, yeah. yeah, and just the obvious fun that all of those actors were having working with each other was it just comes through on screen, and they are just fun movies. They are fun movies to watch, and they're well made, and uh, I, I I highly recommend them. I, I have fond fond memories of of watching Ocean's Ocean's Eleven, approximately five hundred times mm-hmm. over the course of one summer because I had nothing else going on, Classic. and I had no money, so I was just watching Ocean's Eleven DVDs nice. and and eating bagged microwave popcorn because <laughs> that's what I could afford for meals. Nice. <laughs> Nice. And damn it that got me through the time. So I would highly recommend any of those movies again. 11, 12 and 13, uh Never 8. Just so <laughs> that's that's just my thing. Well, there you go. Uh, so Mr. Jimmy Dice, uh, do you have anything that you'd like to shill plug or perhaps suggest to our our listeners? No, just no check out Scruffy Looking Podcast. Is that Scruffy Podcast on
2: Twitter and well, that's pretty much it. Just keep on reading. That's the most important thing.
3: Don't mm-hmm. don't don't put the put the phone down. Pick up a hardcover, mm. read some pages. And actually, you were—I I noticed on your Instagram. Normally, I look at your Instagram and I'm like, "Oh, I want to eat all these things." But then I saw that you were the book that you were reading this past weekend, and I'm like, "I kind of want to read that." Yeah. What, now, um, what book was it's that? Again? Actually,
2: it's actually—it's called the Main History. It's three volumes. It was written in 1919 by uh, editor in chief. The Cent- its a centennial edition. Uh, Louis Lewis Clint- Clinton Hatch, a member of the Maine Historical Society,
3: because hmm. that, that that looked pretty interesting. Actually, like, yeah. is very
2: interesting. They they tell you the story of
3: Blythe and Burrows
2: in the opening chapters during the uh, War of eighteen twelve. That's a bar in downtown Portland. They talk about the different counties, how they got their names. The St. Croix river controversy where we're fighting with great Britain over where our Eastern border is going to be by callus. It's very, very cool, man.
3: You are, you are a literary fellow. Yes, you are.
2: I just like history. It's a sick addiction.
3: Nice. Yeah. Well, you know what? It's, I I agree because I'm also in that addiction as well. So, thank you all very much for tuning in and listening uh, and and for this uh, second edition of, of Thrawn with the Wind. Second take, if you will, not to be confused with Thrawn with the Wind legend. Um, so, we, we appreciate you all checking in on us. Uh, be sure to follow us on the social medias. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Free Range Idiocy. You can also uh, listen to all of our podcasts at FreeRangeIdiocy.com. You can also subscribe to us on Podbean, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I can't believe i forgot i, I couldn't remember if it Should. was itunes podcast or apple podcast for a second it confused me i get you got apple confused. on the brain
0: after your orchard j- uh, journey there Mr. <laughs> oh
3: dude i've eaten so much apple pie over the next over the past two days it's been ridiculous <laughs> <There you go. laughs> oh my gosh Blood brimley and I, oh yeah me and for brimley diabetes diabetes <laughs> So, uh, and also be sure to check out uh, Scruffy Looking Podcasters. Uh, I will make sure that all of their pertinent information is listed in the show notes because it is a well, well, well worth your time to check out their podcast as well. Thank you once again to Jimmy Dice uh, for joining us, My pleasure being here. Thanks for having me on, guys.
0: Yeah, thank you. And
3: uh, we've got several more ideas where we're going to drag you back into the (laughs) muck and mire of our... Of our,
0: of our podcast to, to just, you know, to further drag you down. I think this is the time you put the Godfather 3 quote in there about, you know, the more I try to get out, they pull me back in. That's right. That's oh, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> yeah.
3: No, nah, it's so
2: good. The pleasure is mine, gentlemen.
3: Thank you. So- We now come to the end of uh, of our time together in our in the final segment of of what is the what I like to lovingly refer to as the (laughs) idiotic. And and we we turn to to the man here who is the man who's sitting next to the man who's sitting next to the man (laughs) who has some serious gas because he's eaten approximately five pounds of meat for dinner and then some zucchini. I kind of figured, you know, your diet. Like, oh, I I can't have I can't have booze and I can't have carbs, but I can have all the meat that I want. Protein, <laughs> oh, protein. Great. Party on, Wayne. That's right. And uh, so, so I turn to him and I say, uh, Tim, have we learned anything today? What have we learned?
0: Uh, you know, I, I I think Jimmy Dice hit the nail on the head. Just you know, uh, I I think you know we we discussed three uh, you know a series of three books here, and they are. Good books, and get out there, and and you know, in this time where we are a bit more homebound, do some reading. Uh, you know, and and you know, find find some uh, some stuff to to dive into. I know uh, Uncle Todd here has inspired me to start uh, digging into Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, so I'm starting in on that. Yes, and uh, you know, kind of kind of working my way through that. But yeah, you know, just uh the, the these books uh, were kind of a snapshot in time of, of you know as we said just content that that was new for for star wars fans who were jonesing for some and um you know from it we got some great characters um a lot of follow on books uh, that you know if you if you look up in amazon kindle nook whatever you use uh, check it out there there's a lot of uh, offshoots is of, the nook still a thing uh, nook app it is yes dang holy cow i know who would have thunk Today it? Today I learned. Who would have thunk it? But yeah, overall, I I, I think books are, uh, you know, for for us, Star Wars, good books, good. <laughs> Uncle Todd operating the uh, recording equipment correctly, even better. So... Oh, I was
3: I was bracing for that one. I knew there was one more. There's one more coming.
0: Oh, boy. And on that note, um, as we typically sign off, uh, I, I think this week, uh, uh, Uncle Todd's uh, got his eye on a particular pool skimmer. So, please, we got to pay the bills. Hit the lights on the way out. I took the wrong week. Quick drink.
1: I beg your pardon. What did you say? Damn! Yeah. You are such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. Oh. Get out and don't come back until you yourselves.
0: So say we all.
1: So say we all.
0: I mean, that really got out of
2: hand
3: fast. You know, you just had to take one more shot. <laughs> you said take one you're more, the, more p- shot. You're the pool mogul, man. Come on now. And, and damn it, I can't even be angry at you. No, you, you can't. <laughs>